previously on Growing Up Gilmore. Because then he also loves doing what he can to make her happy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like... Talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and these girls are probably like, you look way too old to be a student here. Yeah. Where like the guy doesn't give a hell because give a hell? What is that? <laughs> I don't give a hell. Okay. <laughs> And then you use you big can... words like melancholy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Existentialism. Yes. I can't say it's it. It's like fatalism. Oh, fatalism. <laughs> I, I love fatalism. fatalism. I love fatalism. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Amy. And this is Elise. And we are Growing Up Gilmore. We are back. With season two, episode five, Nick and Nora, Sid and Nancy, and as promised, we have Bryn with us for another episode, because this happens to be his favorite Luke moment is in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my favorite Luke moment is when he brings coffee to the Gilmore Girls, so really every episode has my favorite Luke moment, but this is my favorite unique Luke moment. That's, I love that that's your favorite Luke moment. The coffee thing or the... Yeah, the coffee thing. Yeah. Just him bringing coffee to women? Yes. Oh. Because I, I like to think of that as my role as well in my life. Really? Well, bringing coffee to woman, one woman, singular. I don't know if I've ever seen you bring coffee to Amy. I've brought her coffee before. I get, <laughs> I get her Starbucks. I, oh, that's true. I brew the coffee sometimes. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I'm a regular Luke Danes. Uh-huh. Great. Awesome. <laughs> well, I am just excited for this episode in general. This is what I've been waiting for since we started the podcast. Um, this is one that I like to watch like apart from other episodes too because I think it's just fun it's a great storytelling and a lot of showing not telling which is great and and uh and Jess yeah and Jess (laughs) yeah I think I've seen this one independently because usually when I watch a show it's just a straight shot from start to finish. Yeah. And I've probably seen the entire series about three times and I've probably seen this episode about ten times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is one like I'll turn on while I'm cleaning or, you know, doing stuff around the house because I know it so well I don't have to watch it. It can Mm -hmm. just be on and I can get my serotonin just from hearing it, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because when it took me so long to watch Gilmore Girls and I, you know, knew about Jess Mm -hmm. from how everybody talked about him. Mm -hmm. So I knew he was like kind of an it character. So I wasn't expecting him to be what he was, Mm -hmm. which was cool. I think he's a cool character. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. He's a real cool dude. A real cool guy. Not in this episode, though. (laughs) It takes him a while to warm up, but I can't blame him for that. I'm the same way. Yeah. Intimidating, you know. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Elise, writer and director, please. Okay. So our director is Michael Kettleman. Yay. Your fave. Um, 
Do I need to pull up what he's done before? No. Okay. I I know everything. Yeah, I feel like he I've did listed. Cinnamon's Wake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then our writer is Amy Sherman Palladino. Okay. I'm happy that we have an Amy episode. No offense to Dan, but I need an Amy episode. Yeah, yeah she writes a lot of these. She must have been really involved with creating the series or something. Mm. Do you want me to put, like, okay. Big Bang Theory <laughs> laughter or something, like, after you make those jokes? Like an unimpressed rim shot? Yeah. But do Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Do you okay. have an Amy fact? I do. Okay, great. Okay, so this, you'll like this, Amy. So, she really, really likes Barbara Streisand a lot. Um, my car is named Barbara <laughs> after Barbara Streisand. Awesome. Wasn't that the old one? No, the old no. one was Bernadette Peters. Yes. Or Bernie for short. Yes. Oh, I used to have a car, a van named Beatrice. But I love that. After no one. I used to have a car named Car. Carl. It's bad luck to not name your car. Mm, that explains everything in my life. My first car was Mavis. My second car was Oprah. I can't, man, I love the name Mavis. It was, um, it had personalized, like, floor mats, mm-hmm. and one was Mavis, and I can't remember what the other one was, but it was, like, a husband and wife, and I kept them, because I thought they were cool. Yeah. Well, mine is now named Adam, after Adam Carolla, because, <laughs> okay. yeah. Mine's Great. Lana, obviously. Obviously. Um, so, this is her quote about Barbara. It's, she says, she means everything to me. She had a lot to do with the way I write women, the way I see women. I see them as funny, unusual, sexy in a way that is not your normal sexy, smart, sharp, fast. She was so unusual as a leading woman because she was funny and strong and different. She was never tragic or a victim. She always had the upper hand no matter what, even even in any situation that she wasn't supposed to. I love that. And she never lets clouds rain on her parade. Never. And didn't she have her dog cloned? Because she loved... (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. This, I think this is Barbara that did this, but she loved her dog so much that she kept its DNA and had it cloned when it died. That was also a Futurama episode. I wonder if there was any No, 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 no. We're looking this up No, I'm not... I'm not... Contradicting, I'm just saying it was also. I don't know how I feel about that. that have I you feel ever? Like that's like a, a like a horror movie in the. Have making. you ever heard of the Streisand effect? So there was this incident where the paparazzi took like an aerial like helicopter shot of Barbara Streisand's house, mm-hmm. and she wrote a letter, like a sternly worded you know lawyer letter, whatever, to whoever took that picture, saying, "Do not publish this picture, or else, like, I'm gonna." I, no, I think it was they already published it, and she sent the letter, like, saying, take this down, and it ended up bringing way more attention to it, the fact that she was, like, threatening to sue them, that instead of them just publishing this picture and having it sort of fly under the radar, then everybody saw her house, mm. and it, like, blew up in, you know, popularity and controversy. So they call it the Streisand effect when... You're trying to hide something, but the way you go about it actually brings more attention to it. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So, um, I'll have you know that actually she had her dog Samantha cloned twice. Mm. So did Samantha die twice? Then no, I mean, 
Literally, I guess, because if it's Samantha every time. So Samantha died, she had a clone, the clone died, and then she had another one. She had Samantha 2 and Samantha 3. How long did the clone live? I don't know. That's okay. a good question. <laughs> do you oh think it God. do you think it was like the same soul came back every time? No way. Or do animals have souls? Of course. Of course. They have to. I agree. Yeah, so that is a little Barbara tidbit for all of you to use at parties in the future. Okay? Okay. Okay, great. We have two Who wants tidbits. to hear a fun fact about Babs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's get started because I'm very excited for this episode. We open at Luke's Diner. And the girls are having, like, this quick back and forth. It's clear that Rory is upset about something because she's commenting on how long it's taking Lorelai to eat. And we find out that it's the first day of school. Rory's excited, she says. But she wants to make sure she has time to find her locker and all of her classes and everything. And as Lorelai goes up to get more donuts for the day, uh, we run into... Or, excuse me, I'm, like, way ahead of myself. I forgot about Lane. Lane comes in. (laughs) Everyone forgets about Lane. Oh, sorry. Sad. (laughs) Poor Lane. Lane comes in and gives Rory a list of CDs that she would like Rory to find at the record store that's near um, Chilton. And goes through this whole list. She lists seven different artists in, like, a minute and before she started listing them off, Elise goes, get your pen ready, because she's about to list off like a million <laughs> things really fast. Just rapid fire pop culture. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then she goes, and I think at that point I'll be done with the 60s. So she's clearly collecting for her underground collection. Lorelai goes to the counter to get donuts, and Taylor shows up with a bunch of Cub Scouts, I guess, like Boy Scouts, whatever. Boy Scouts, whatever, and says that they just finished their first part of their survival training. And Luke says, "Oh, what is it? Sitting under the tree and gluing rocks together." (laughs) (laughs) And I'm trying to figure out like what time of day it is because if Rory's getting ready to go to school, I feel like it'd be earlier in the day. But all of these boys are ordering like lunch items. Maybe Luke has an all-day menu. Oh, I would think he does, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the town is small enough for him to accommodate, like, an all-day menu. Right, this isn't McDonald's. Right, right, (laughs) unfortunately. Yes, yeah. But I, in the middle of bickering with Taylor, as always, Luke gets a phone call, and it is someone who clearly is upsetting him because he says, you'll never change, will you? You make the arrangements, we'll talk later, and kind of hangs up the phone. And then he says, do any of you have a sister? And one of the kids goes, I do, I do. And he goes, well, my sympathies to you. And he's like, thanks, I appreciate that. So he was talking to his sister. This is the first I think we've ever heard that he has a sister. Mm-hmm. Um. She might have been mentioned just in passing, but this is the first time we're actually, like, hearing from her. And we don't know what arrangements she's talking about at this point. 
And the fact that Luke is so flippant about it makes me think it's not going to be like this life changing thing. But it is. <laughs> yeah, I really like how they write his side of the conversation because you don't hear what she says. Mm-hmm. And it would have been so easy for them to give away what the plot of the episode will be by him saying, referring to Jess in any way, or yeah. you want him to live with me, you know. Yeah, they do that all the time in TV, and it kind of frustrates me. What's that? Like, Timmy fell down the well? I mean, that's yeah. literally how they wrote Lassie. Yeah. yeah. Or like Peter Pan. I think Pan. it's smart to write it this way, because we don't know enough about Luke's life. Like, it could be anything right. happening. And we don't know what his sister is like. We have no like background on who she is or what she's like or anything like that. So I mean, all that we know is that he goes, are you kidding me? You're never going to change. So mm-hmm. where it's implied that she's kind of probably a mess or something. Yeah. And this isn't the first time something like this has come up. Yeah, right. he's had to help yeah. come to her aid before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get a little glimpse more into Luke's life, which is interesting because we had, we've had how many episodes now, and I feel like we don't know much about Luke really beyond Rachel, Rachel, and then his dad owning the hardware store. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, they dangle a nice little mystery in front of us. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that they're furthering his narr- um, his story arc and without just using girlfriends every single time. I like that, too, because I think that's the easy route to take Mm -hmm. is to introduce a new girlfriend and have that, like, tell the story. But the way she is choosing to do this really is great television. Mm -hmm. I almost think of this episode as sort of like a soft season two premiere, just because of the last four episodes were a little bit heavier mainly just cleaning up the mess of season one I love that is that you say that because Max Medina one of our discussion questions for episode four which is not out yet was do you feel like this is a finale of season one like the first four episodes yeah yeah it's sort of like a coda and then episode five would be the season opener right and i that's kind of how i felt but i think there's no way i mean we talked about what episodes could have been cut out of season one maybe like concert interruptus yeah that could have been gone um now? you would have to shorten that first season right to get those four in right yeah. otherwise it would i don't know Drag it and out I too think, long. too, like, the first few episodes, they were really trying to get their footing. Yeah. And once they found it, they ran out of time to tell everything they needed to tell in 21 episodes. Yeah. I mean, how they do it in 22 episodes is beyond me, too. I mean, that's a lot. It's probably good that I'm guest starring on this week's episode rather than last week's because I would have had so much to say. <laughs> About Max Medina. Yeah. And now he's just a ghost of Christmas past. Uh Uh-huh. I think we do see him in this episode. Oh. Yeah, we do. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So you'll get to see see him him. for, like, one of the last times. Cool, so I'll get to pontificate about... Yeah, you can. ...my favorite character one more time. Can't wait. But... No, I think it's great that you mentioned that, because that is something we talked about at length last week, so. 
it was great of Amy to take the time to figure out what she wanted to do with Luke in this season because with her and Max being broken up and not even just like they're done, done, done. Mm -hmm. We needed something to slow down the trajectory of Luke and Lorelai. Yeah, because like I feel like they're already sliding into more of a relationship, like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, mm-hmm. just in this episode. Yeah. Into that territory. Yeah. Or she is clearly, you know, testing the waters, mm-hmm. and he is too. And it's like, what What do we do to slow this down? Yeah. It's not going to be another woman, because Max Medina couldn't even split them up. So I think it's excellent, excellent writing. And we'll get into this a little bit, but... Jess is yet another voice in their lives saying, you two obviously have something going on. He's not he's not quite as supportive about it and how he voices that, right. but just yet another person who can see the obvious that's right in front of him mm-hmm. that Luke and Lorelai either are feigning ignorance of or are just Being, totally oblivious to. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, he's kind of a, an interesting take on a Greek chorus to their lives. Yeah, because he's a completely outside perspective, so he mm-hmm. doesn't have, like, the same hang-ups that everyone else would. Right, exactly. Our next scene starts with Luke bringing in a bunch of groceries, and he keeps dropping things. Lorelai sees him and asks if he needs help. He says no. She asks again. He says no. He gets everything. Something else falls off. She ends up following him up the stairs. As she's following him up the stairs... She asks him why he has all of this food that he would never eat because we know Luke is a probably an organic king and doesn't eat anything processed. And he's like, it's not for me. She's like, who's it for? And he goes, it's for somebody else. And she's like, who? And then finally he says, my nephew. So my first question is, does he not want Lorelai to know that his nephew is moving in with him? Yeah, he's being so cagey about it. Yeah. So so crabby. <laughs> so excited when he's crabby. You're almost like twirling your hair as you say that. I know, like, totally. Um, I just yeah, I just thought that was an interesting choice on Luke's part to not divulge that information right away. Luke, yeah, it is weird. Luke concealing information from Lorelai, what else? Well, I'm sure what else too, is he new? knows she has a big mouth, so right. whatever she finds out, she's going to tell somebody. And she's also going to have opinions. Yeah, because yeah. she's always like... Well, that's all this turns into. Yeah. Yeah. I know best. It's her mm-hmm. mom explaining to Luke. It's her Emily coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's her Emily coming out, it's just her rationality coming out. Maybe. I'll explain why I think it's Emily in a minute. Okay. So she goes in and helps him, like, start unpacking things. She's asking him all these questions, like, how old is he? And what about your sister? Why are you taking this on? And Luke just keeps saying, it's family. You help family. End of discussion. And then she'll bring up something else. And he's like, it's family. You just help family. And... I find it really interesting that we went, like, a whole season without hearing anything about his family, and now suddenly he's, like, very, 
like family oriented. Family oriented. Well, it sounds like his family only comes to him when he when they need something. Yeah. And wouldn't Liz also be his only living relative, other than like you I know, guess, cousins or? Yeah, I guess so. Because I mean, we don't know if he has cousins or not. Well, well, he does have an uncle that dies later, though. Yeah, and he like breaks his back putting the funeral together that no one cares about. So. Yeah. Yeah, when they can't close the casket because it gets buried with all of his stuff. Like his baseball cards and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's interesting look on Luke because he is so crabby and so... It kind of comes off mean, but he's just so sweet underneath it all. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of... There's a Family Guy joke that was probably written by Dan Palladino about Peter meeting the badass with a heart of gold. Oh, sure. And the badass is like, I'm going to cut you. And Peter's like, what a badass. That badass just gave his salary to orphans. Orphans with diseases. And then, like, the sappy music plays, and Peter's like, oh. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I I guess it's an interesting side of Luke that we haven't seen, but also we haven't had time to invest in Luke. Mm-hmm. So we're really, like, jumping the gun now, like, on the track, ready to go. Mm-hmm. So it's, Yeah. But she is really, like, interrogating him. Like, well, what kind of trouble did he get into? What did he do? How old is he? You know, why is Liz coming too? No, she's not coming too. Well, so you're just going to take him in? You know, it's kind of a big responsibility to take on a kid all by yourself. And he's like, I know. If only you had a woman in your life to... Help carry the load. Well, and I'm wondering, too, is she asking all of these questions because she's genuinely curious about the situation? Or is she asking all of these questions because the minute she heard he was a 17-year-old boy, she started to get, like, worried about Rory? I don't think Rory came into her brain. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay. Because I, oh. I think she's also pretty secure in Rory dating Dean as well. Sure. That naively, she doesn't think Jess is going to throw a wrench into that. But, sure. Um, it just felt like she had, like, ulterior motives for asking all of those questions. I don't know. I think that, like, I think there's something very relatable, as you and I have maybe found out over the course of the last decade or so, of seeing friends, like, jump feet first into something, like, incredibly big and life-changing and not thinking through the implications of it. And you're just off to the side like, hey, did you uh, think about any of this? And the one question that... Do you want to add anything to that? No, I'm listening. I'm okay. listening. You just had a look <laughs> on your... very... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're uh-huh. intimately familiar. Uh-huh. But yeah, there's a... I'm right here, guys. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, remember when Elise asked you if you wanted to do a Gilmore Girls podcast? Yeah. 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 No, but uh, I think it's interesting, too, that he's kind of playing off like the, oh, he's just doing teenage stuff, like staying out late. It's like, if it was just normal teenage stuff, like what's, I, I understand that Liz is kind of a flake from what he's saying, but. A basket case, yeah. Yeah, which great terminology there for your sister. Family's everything. My sister's freaking insane. Um, but, like, the fact that it came to her shipping Jess off, you really think it's just that he's staying out past his bedtime and 
He says getting rowdy, which I don't even... That's so, like, nonspecific. Yeah. That's just a very, like... Like, it sounds like he's getting in fights then. Right. It's a nice way of putting it where you can kind of pass it off as it's not that much trouble if it's rowdy. Yeah, like, is he is he rowdy, like, beating the crap out of his schoolmates? Or yeah. is he rowdy in that, like, his music is, like, a decibel too loud? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, if her ulterior motive... It, maybe it has something to do with what Bren's saying, too. Like, it's a double thing going on, but also just to... I don't know. Her, I don't. Her motive is Luke. Yeah, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think she has ulterior motives in this scene. I think she's genuinely asking because clearly, and you know what? It's an ironic flip of when Luke was asking all the questions about Lorelai getting married to Max. Mm-hmm. She didn't think about any of that stuff, so now she kind of gets to. Rep- I yeah. turn the tables. I don't think that's her. Like, ooh, well now I'm going to get back at you yeah. for right. making me question my marriage. But yeah, you know, kind of ends up being that. Yep. Like, now she gets to be the rational voice in his brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My yeah. motive would be to get upstairs to his apartment. And, look, <laughs> you succeeded. <laughs> and after, you can have Frosted Flakes. Yeah. Oh, and she makes that comment about, if you're going to get him something that blows up, get him a blonde. Which is yeah, very risque. It's joke, hilarious. Which was great. It like caught me off guard. I was like, wait a second, is she talking about a blow up? Doll? And she's saying that about a seventeen year old boy. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Which I'm like, you need to think about that. Like your daughter is dating a seventeen year old boy. Well, she's mentally sixteen forever, so. Yeah. I, I think she knows that Luke is very singular. He has he no things. idea what it's like to have mm-hmm. another person. He already had a problem with Rachel yeah, living he didn't with yeah. him. His girlfriend living yeah, and, with him. And Rachel was like, you know, dating someone, especially that early on, is so different than having, like, a living human being in your quarters at all times. Right. Who's, like, dependent on you for food and shelter and survival. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Like, he has to be responsible for him going to school and, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, I think... I think Luke is somebody who's like, okay, we'll just let this happen and we'll figure it out as we go. There's no way you can plan for all of this. Because he said he hasn't spoken to Jess at all yet. So he's like, the first time they're going to see each other is when he gets off the bus. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, but how would they communicate? They didn't really have cell phones back then. Yeah. And Luke's busy enough that he's not going to call. And once we meet Jess, we know Jess is not going to call Luke to be like, hey, uncle, how's it going? And Luke's probably, like, one of those people who, like, Lorelai made him get um, like, one of those brick cell phones in, totally. like, 2015 and he still has it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. But the scene ends with Lorelai saying, alright, I'll just leave you be and let you get ready. She says, you do have extra sheets, though, right? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. She's like, okay. And she leaves. The minute the door shuts, he's like, oh, sheets, sheets. And he grabs his keys. And this is exactly how I plan things with Amy. When, if I'm, like, making a list of something or, you know, trying to put stuff together. And she's like, oh, did you do this? Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. Um. um do you think there's something intentional about the fact that earlier in this episode we saw Taylor coming in with a group of boys teaching them, like, life survival skills? 
Mm-hmm. And then oh, sure. Luke kind of like brushing it off and then realizing he has no survival skills <laughs> as a parent. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And I think, too, it shows it kind of like throws the dynamic in our face of like, here are Cub Scouts. Now here's Jess. Yeah. yeah. And then Taylor also makes that comment about Lorelai being a rule breaker. Yeah. And he's like, and rule breakers are outcasts of society, and they will live very lonely lives. <laughs> and they will have no friends. Which yeah. is Jess. Yeah. yeah. Nope, they definitely uh, and set that up nice. Yeah, and, and yeah. Taylor has it out for Jess the minute he comes into town, too. I mean. Uh, understandably. <laughs> I can't blame him. I mean, he's not the only one, but he is kind of the first one to be like, that boy's a menace. Yeah, totally. Get him out of here. Kill the beast. Yeah. I have a question. Okay. So, I'm wondering why Luke isn't taking advantage of, like, Lorelai's there offering to basically help. Why wouldn't he take advantage of, if you like someone? I think he's too proud. He's too stubborn. Okay. It's I not also that he, he still likes her. Yeah. But I think it's, if he would have been the one to ask first it would have been different but because she came in and made it seem like he was incapable yeah i think he's like well fuck you i'll do it myself we can say fuck yeah you can say the f word i've said it a couple times before (laughs) do you think i listen to this podcast (laughs) we've said it before a few times i actually dropped an f-bomb in the first episode it's, and I was like, oh, I said the F word. It's funny because I'm trying to do start a SpongeBob podcast. Yeah. And I can't say fuck on there for obvious reasons. Yeah. But. No. Nope. Say it's, it here. You're... Here it's just no fucks given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's why. Because if she would not have questioned, like, his motives or how ready he was or you know, him handling the situation at all. Like making fun of him. Yeah. Yeah. He would have probably asked for help. Or if she would have been like, do you need help with anything? Or, you know. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't ask him if he needs help after the fact now. But he does ask her for help later, and she doesn't want to give it. Yeah. Mm. So. I find that very relatable. I remember being in an eighth grade science class once, and I was working on a project, and it was not going well. And I remember my teacher came over to me and was like, do you need help? I was like, no, go away. Yeah. And I'm just like hunched over like, and then much, much later I was like, yeah, actually I do need help. And by that point it was too late. (laughs) Yeah. And I got a D. Yeah. I think that's very similar. Yeah. It's a pride thing. I'm a regular Luke Danes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Well, this is just the beginning for Luke in this episode because, yeah, he's not ready at all. Yeah, good thing he'll never be tested by another child figure entering his life and We don't speak of season 7 on this podcast. Uh, April, but didn't she come in in 6? Yeah, she did. True. She is Amy Cannon. Oh, I just hate it so much. Okay. Oh, we'll get to it in yeah. like a year. It'll be longer than that. 2 years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh let's keep going. We are back at Chilton, and Rory is standing outside of her class. Paris approaches her, 
and just gives her, like, the stink eye and keeps walking. And Rory's like, okay, here we go, round two. And she talks to Paris, and she's like, we have to work together. We have to coexist. Sometimes we will even have to breathe the same oxygen. So can we please just get along? And Paris comes around to it and fools us into thinking she's coming around to it. She's like, yeah, you're right. Like, we want the paper to be good. Um, I'll see you at four when we meet for the paper. And I... Upon first watch, you're like, great, I'm so happy that Paris can, you know, get over this. And also, like, why why is she still hung up on this? Is she on Rory? Yeah. On the Tristan, Tristan, yeah. The PJ Harvey thing. It's like... The Tristan Trist? Well, I yeah, I think that's even past that now. It's... I think that it comes down to she's scared of Rory's potential of stealing her thunder. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of like her beef with Rory from the beginning was like seeing her as a rival. Mm -hmm. And I think the PJ Harvey thing just like reset that relationship. Mm -hmm. So even if she's not specifically mad about that, it's like she's still uppity about Rory. Well, and I wonder too if Paris didn't consider like, intimate relationships as a part of that, like, rivalry. So then when she saw that Tristan preferred Rory over her, she was like, oh, great, now she's better at dating than me, too. Mm -hmm. Because they went on a date, and he still wanted to ask Rory out after that. Yeah, well, I'm sure a lot of things pissed her off. Her getting the top three percent probably pissed her off. Yeah, yep. There's a part of me that really likes Paris after she kind of goes through her, like, arc. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's also a part of me that hates her until the very end of the series, including the revival. Because uh, there's certain parts of her traits that don't ever change. Sure. And the fact that she gets, like, so hung up on everything. Yeah. Like, because you see that in the revival, too, where Mm -hmm. she's mad about, like, Rory, quote-unquote, siding with Doyle. And then she like flips out at Fran, uh, Francie, Francie? Yeah, when they the see pots. each other in the bathroom. Bathroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. She's just a fun character to watch, I think. But I can see why Rory never consider considers her her best friend. Yeah. Because of she, these traits. <laughs> she's an entertaining character. Right. She'd be a horrible person to know in real life. I do think that. Amy kind of makes a fascinating choice by showing us Paris's arc, though, because we don't need to see that. Oh, yeah. But we we do. Yeah, no, I, I think Paris's arc is great. I think it's one of the best things in the series. Yeah. And I think seeing her background a little bit and, like, her experience of, you know, having a nanny versus you know, being involved with her parents. It's very clear that she does not have a great childhood and she kind of wants to change things for herself and be her own person. And she looks at Harvard as that ticket to be herself. And that's like her end all be all. And to her, it's like everything else has gone wrong in my life. School is the one thing I can control. So it needs to go this way. Whereas Rory has a lot more going on in her life besides getting into Harvard. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it almost feels like Rory is just like a leaf in the wind. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that movie we saw with Jonah Hill's sister? Booksmart? See, yeah, or it was the one where she was like graduating from high school. Yeah, I think it's Booksmart. Yeah, and she found out that like all of the lazy stoner kids at her school were also going to these like great colleges. Yeah. And she was mad because like she gave up having a social life to try and excel mm-hmm. and these other kids were able to like balance it yeah yeah it's it's a harsh reality i think mm-hmm. rory kind of represents all the things that she does want yeah and come easy to, to Absolutely. her like family and relationships yeah and... the relationship because it seems like the she never really talks much about her dad but her relationship with her mother is strained mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um and more like lorelei and emily right and rory's kind of it, i mean this feels almost like a tangent, but Rory's kind of an interesting foil because, like, a foil to everyone at Chilton, really, because she has, like, a working-class blue-collar background. Yeah. But also has access to money. hmm mm-hmm. Like, she has her feet firmly planted in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Which makes you a more interesting and colorful person. Yeah, unlike the snobs. Yeah. And that's why Tristan is interested in her. Yeah. Instead of... Yeah, things just come easy. I think in in Paris's eyes, things come easy to Rory. Mm-hmm. Everything's natural. Even mm-hmm. though we she's know that... She's naturally beautiful. She's naturally smart. She naturally has a great family. And, like, yeah. we know that that's not true. Yeah. Like, she has a lot of challenges. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you only see her at school. Right. Where she's in her element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you think... Rory has a lot of challenges because I almost feel like towards the end, she really is just riding on the coattails of towards like the end of the series. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like this point. Yeah. I mean, we, she has challenges, but I think she's, she is very graceful in how she maneuvers. She makes it look effortless sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, yeah. Yeah, and I guess if, like, Paris's arc is, like, you know, climbing up a mountain, mm-hmm. Rory's is just sliding down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's creating her own challenges. Right. Towards the end. I love that. This whole season is her creating challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, her seeking out something different mm-hmm. that is not what was carved out for her. Yeah, and, like... You know, seeking out someone like Jess, too, who's, like, a project that she can work on mm-hmm. compared to, like, Dean, who's, you know, not to say anything too specific on, like, Dean or because I know you guys don't like him. But it's like he would have been a reliable, safe choice as a partner yeah. long term. Yeah. I think when it comes down to Jess, though, that's just sexual chemistry. Oh, yeah. 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 And, I mean, like, having mutual things. Like, they I, both love books. I mean, they're all just teenagers, too, so. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I love that we get to see more of Paris in this season and more of that, like, arc that she has. But season three Paris is, like, my bread and butter Paris. So. She's funny. Yeah. I'm already... But- I'm already thinking about her, like, appearance on C-SPAN. <laughs> yeah, she has a lot of great um, standalone moments. 
that I think really morph her into like a lovable character that we all enjoy and know in real life and hate. Yeah. She's so. hysterical. She could have a one woman show and I'd, oh, be, inter- I'd be so entertained the yep, whole entire time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it is the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Jess walks off the bus and sees Luke. And this is a scene of very few words. And it's love at first sight. Yeah. It's like, Jess, Luke, that's it. Shows him the diner. He's like, your grandpa owned this. And he's like, oh, hmm. They go upstairs. This is, this is the place. That's your bed for now. Here's the bathroom. Here's the phone. Here's the closet. And Jess is like, okay. And just dumps all of his stuff in his one bag on the bed. And he says that Lizzie is sending the rest of his stuff. This is funny because when we were directing high school theater, a lot of our students would call their moms by their first name. And it really threw me off because I think our generation is like, you do not call your parents by their first name. Mm hmm. And that's like a very disrespectful thing. And I'm sure that's what this is alluding to because of the time frame that it's in. Yeah. And the fact that he calls his mother Lizzie, like, tells me a lot about their relationship. Yeah, it was like a genuine scandal around that time on Simpsons that Bart would call Homer by his first name. Oh, sure. And all the parents groups were like, that's so disrespectful. What a ban this show from every airwave. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's clear that he doesn't have a very high opinion of his mother. Um, But at the same time, she did just ship him off to nowhere. Yeah. He does have a high opinion of Frosted Flakes, though. He says they're great. Yeah, because Luke's trying to make conversation. Which is a hilarious (laughs) product plug for this show. Yeah. And Luke says, I'm closing the diner at 10 tonight. I I thought maybe we could, and then he cut Jess cuts him off and says, "See you at 10. And he like goes out the door, and Luke's like, "You need keys," and he's like, "No, I don't." And he just keeps walking. Looks like I don't want to know why. <laughs> yeah. Like he's gonna pick the locks or something, or well, he's gonna go out and explore. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because you want to say like it's impossible to get in trouble in Stars Hollow. Like, what is there to do, really? Right. But he finds a way. Yeah. But he walks out the front door of the diner, and This Is Hell by Elvis Costello starts playing. And it's a very funny moment, because I don't think they've used music in this way before. To really, like, narrate his, like, inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. But he's, like, looking around at people in the, like, gazebo and the park. and It's like the idyllic small town like very pleasantville looking and he's like what the hell is this (laughs) but he's got his book and he goes you know begrudgingly down the street to see what he can find he's probably reading catcher in the rye or something it was not catcher in the rye (laughs) everyone here's a phony yeah no um but he does kind of present that that jd salinger yes yeah holden caulfield Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so, that's Jess. I feel like he's, like, on the road. He's a very Jack Kerouac kind of character. Yeah. yeah. 
He reminds me a little of my brother. That he's just like a very few words, but of a very dry wit. Yeah. And just constantly annoyed and fed up with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like just a little Luke Danes. He is. It's like two Lukes hanging out together. Like, mm-hmm. they don't want to say anything. They would rather just sit in silence with each other. It's Luke squared. Yeah. And I think Luke is torn because he's like, this is like a crappy situation for Jess. And he's like, I want to make him feel like he's, you know, at home. But I don't know how to do that. And my sister sucks and doesn't know how to do that either. And so he's like, this kid is just like left in limbo trying to figure out what what people want to do with him. Mm-hmm. It, seems like he's been, it seems like he's been he's done this before. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I feel like his outfit in this scene is sort of like the default outfit. I remember Jessen. Where it's like the camo shirt and then like that. He looks so good in that camo. That puff jacket yeah. over it. Yeah. It, it's like the the thing in Back to the Future where Marty always wears the orange puff jacket and everyone's mm-hmm. like, hey, buddy, where's the Coast Guard? Yeah. Because that's not fashion yet for them. I think it's really fun because Jess has like fashion that seems very thrifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which totally. Was very cool. Yeah, it, like time. like his outfit even here is very like thrown together. Mm-hmm. Like there's not really a unity to it. But yeah, he doesn't care, but he still looks good. Yeah, kind it's, of thing. It, like it still works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Dean is like, turtlenecks. But like <laughs> his Dean, fashion. Dean sucks. dresses how I did in high school. <laughs> did you wear turtlenecks in high school? No, I didn't wear turtlenecks. But he used to wear polo shirts I, all the time. Well, I was just thinking more like um, I would wear. <laughs> button-up shirts, Mm -hmm. but they would be open, and I would have, like, a really boring t-shirt underneath. Sure. Which is still kind of my fashion now when I'm, like, trying to dress up a little more. Yeah. Because now it's just hoodies. Yeah. I Yeah, Dean is, he's a guy's guy, where Jess is just, like, above it all. Mm -hmm. And they try to show that in, you know, any way they can. But the showing, not telling here is telling us a lot about how this is gonna go he's got the city the city thing down mm-hmm. the natural city cool yeah he's one of them guy. city slickers and he's gonna learn a thing or two he's got that mm-hmm. new was york this, was, did he <laughs> sense play, of humor did he play rocky's son prior to no this was this? much later uh he played rocky's son in rocky Balboa, which came out in like 2006 okay so okay. he was yeah because he didn't play rocky's son as a kid okay got it that was a different actor okay Okay. Interesting. But yeah. So I'm I'm curious. I'll have to look and see, you know, how much he did before this. But he's really, like, put himself back on the map with This Is Us. And yeah. he's a very handsome. handsome. Very handsome. Well, yes. and very versatile, too, because his performance is, I mean, I'm going to keep coming back to Rocky Sun because it's, like, the only other thing I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. But his performance of that is very different from Jess. Even, like... Even more so than, like, the cool, mature Jess that we see later on. Because mm-hmm. Rocky's son is just, like, a straight-laced, like, Wall Street guy. Sure. And even Jess, at his most mature, is still, like, kind of a hipster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Running his own, like, publishing company and probably coffee shop. Yeah. Like, just a very different vibe. Mm-hmm. It, like, still grown up, but a different kind. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. So I'll have to watch it. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I do love my Rocky movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. Yo, Adrian. I saw, I saw a four-pack of Rocky movies at Target the other day and conveniently was leaving off Rocky Five, which 
even has been like decanonized in the series. So, mm-hmm. and that's the first one where you see Rocky's son as like an actual character. Got I never it. got that far because I, I think in the early ones he's just like an infant. I think I've seen one, two, and three. And yeah, I think, that's I think it. three is yeah. where I stopped. Yeah, but anyway, it's fun to see. Luke have some karma. Yeah, yeah. Luke have some karma. Maybe think, oh, I don't want to say this, but maybe Lorelai was right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also just thinking in terms of Luke having karma. I just remember there's a moment later on where uh, Kirk mentions that Luke was kind of a bully in high school. Mm. So now it's like, eh, now you get to deal with yep. your asshole teenage self yeah. again. A skateboarder in his Star Wars t-shirt. Star Trek. Star Trek. He was a Trekkie. A Trekkie, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm just so happy that he's here. (laughs) The show has gotten a thousand times better. Oh, wow. Just from one week to the next. It's just great. Let's just get him to meet Rory now. It's like we we got rid of Max, Medina, and... Thank God. Yeah. We didn't get rid of him yet, though. It's coming. It's coming. In, li- in like, his best scene. It's like... This, a- is a good, this is a good Max Medina scene. And I'll I have, will give you that. And I'll have something to say about that. Okay. We are back at Chilton. Rory is getting settled outside of the meeting area where the Franklin meets because Paris told her they meet at four and that she should be there ready on time. She starts to read her book and then notices that she can hear people meeting, especially Paris, and she decides to go in and she said, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. I was told we were meeting at 4. And their faculty says, oh, no, we meet at 3.15. And she's like, cool. So Paris is... Set her up. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. I have thoughts about that, Um, but I have more thoughts about the end of this scene. So I'll save them. And she says, oh, well, you know, everything of interest has been given away, but let me look through my list. And it's like, you know what you're doing. You already knew what story you were going to give Rory from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so she gives Rory a story about paving the parking lot. And that's Rory's story. Mm Mm-hmm. And Rory's like, nope, that's great. I'll take it. It's no problem. I can't wait to do it. Whatever. The meeting is adjourned. She goes up to Paris and she says, I just want you to know that whatever story you give me, I will write it. Because at the end of this year, my high school transcript will say that I wrote for the Franklin. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love when Rory gets like these moments where mm-hmm. she's like, no matter what you do to squash me, I will always come back. Yeah, it's like she's really asserting herself. Mm-hmm. Especially in, like, a situation like this that is blatantly unfair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It it needs to happen because I think yeah. she needs to show Paris that she's not going to fall for this. Yeah. It's and, important. To- and I think for talking about, like, Rory's arc... I don't know if she would have done this, or I don't know if she would have been as forward about this in season one. No. I think now she's 
got her feet firmly planted in Chilton and she has more confidence and she's not going to be pushed around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's already dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. Before. Yeah, and I think she knows this is something she wants to do with her life. So she's not going to let somebody like Paris stop her from mm-hmm. pursuing journalism. Right. Yeah, I like that she stands up to her. And um, as a teenager, I think that's a good thing for another teenager to see. Because yeah. this is very real. Yes. Mm-hmm. This has happened where it's like, what? Why would that person scheme so much? It's awful to deal with. Yeah. 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 And she, st- she stood up for herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do love that about Rory. Yeah, and she exits the room on a nice little win. Yep. Only to run into... Max, Max Medina. Medina. And she's like, oh, God. And she, like, turns around and leaves right away. And he kind of gestures like he wants to say something, but then mm-hmm. is like, no. And he turns and goes the other way. And Paris watches this whole interaction happen. Because from the window. From the window of the classroom. And I think Paris is starting to put together that something happened. Paris is not stupid, and she knows that things were pretty serious between Lorelai and Max. Well, things were getting pretty serious. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kip. Do you think so? Do you think Paris did not know about? It? Wait, am I missing that? She did. Yeah, not know I about don't. The wedding. I don't, I don't know. think she knew about the wedding, but she knew that they were like making out in the classroom. Yeah. What a what another opportunity for Paris to try and sabotage Max's career mm-hmm. by seeing an intimate moment between him and a Gilmore girl. Yeah. I mean, of a very different variety in this case, but yeah. But I think this kind of pushes Paris to do her next maniacal mm-hmm. plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, huh, I wonder what's going on there. How can I get, how can I get Rory to really consider leaving the paper? What's going to be the end goal here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was saying earlier, too, that for whatever reason in my memory, this scene ended with Max being the one to, like, storm off. Yeah. And I'm glad it didn't play out that way because this episode does have one of my favorite Max moments mm-hmm. of him just being a very, like, comforting, rational adult. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, because when you said that, I was like, well, yeah, he's not Lorelai. He's not going to just, like, run away. Yeah, he's not Lorelai, which is why he couldn't have Lorelai. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It. I, I feel for Rory because this is something she did not anticipate. Yeah. Like, he is going to be her teacher. <laughs> which she, she should have. <laughs> I mean. Right? But, yeah, it, it doesn't occur to you, like. No, not and, in and, the, I mean, not in the moment. And she's had the whole summer to, like. You know, not have to think about it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying she probably did anticipate it, but... Yeah. Maybe not, like... Not while not while they were together. Right. So how well, could she... In, right. Like, maybe just being in his class, but yeah. in the back yeah, or something. True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's... I can't imagine how awkward that is. Yeah. Especially after everything that happened last year. And it's probably just a dagger to both of their hearts, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll expound on that when we get to that scene, but yeah. I, I think they both genuinely cared for each other. Mm-hmm. There's some closure that needs to happen there, yeah. for sure. Which, 
Yeah, it just goes to show that, like, you know, Lorelai's decision had, like, a blast radius to it. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. didn't just affect her and Max. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Lorelai has felt the effects of that. No. In the same way that Rory is feeling the effects of it. No. Yeah. But I, and I mean, if I had been on last week's, I'm sure we would have talked about that a lot more. But I think that I have a lot of opinions about how Lorelai handled that really, even even if it wasn't the best relationship for her, yeah. I think the way she conducted herself in it sucked. I feel like this is you trying to like pitch, like being on every episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Once Max Medina leaves the show, I'm I stop watching. I, I turn on cartoons. <laughs> Find everything else that actor's been in and just marathon that and pretend. Well, there was that one weird show that Christian had told us about. Where he, like, fights dragons or something. Oh. I don't... It's like a fantasy show. I like to think that's just, like, a direct sequel. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. The Adventures of Max after... After Gilmore Girls. After Lorelai. Yeah. Lorelai shows up at the diner. She's coming to see if Jess has arrived and what he's like and how things went and where is he. And Luke's like, I don't know, he went out. And Lorelai's like, you have to ask him where he's going. And Luke's like, no, you don't. This is Stars Hollow. You take three lefts and you're back at the the center of town. And Lorelai's like, uh, yeah, but if something happens, it's your fault. And he's like, well, he's not going to tell me that he's doing something bad. So what does it matter? And like, I can see where Lorelai is coming from. But I can also understand that Luke's like, I used to get in trouble in this town, and I was fine. So I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, 16. Right. Right. Yeah, but I feel like... Or 17. S- or how he? He's 17. Small town getting in trouble is like... Yeah. I ran the teacher's underwear up the flagpole, or, you know, mm-hmm. which... Yeah. I not. mean... <laughs> right. Which I did. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but... Jess does come home or back to the diner and she's like, I'm Lorelai and I just wanted to meet you before Luke tells you a bunch of lies about me. <laughs> yeah, she's totally playing the Amy Poehler from Mean Girls. I'm not like regular moms. I'm a cool mom. Yeah. And I, he's like, OK. I think it's funny how much harder she's trying than she was with Dean. Yeah. Where Dean, it felt like she acted like a teenager around him mm-hmm. just more naturally. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, I'm the cool mom. Right. Well, and Dean fell for it. Right. Because Dean is stupid. Most, Which, a, lot of, a lot of the guys fall for it. Yeah. Which we'll find out later. Jess does not fall for it. And mm-hmm. Lorelai does not like that. Yeah, she, I, exactly. she already doesn't like it. No. She was already she's very, annoyed that she didn't charm him yet. Yep, she's very put off by that. Yeah, because it's like he's not even... Technically, he's giving her like one word responses or shaking his head. Right. But it's like he's not technically doing anything wrong. It's no. just when you have every man in this town wrapped around your finger. Well, especially always being confused for a high school student, apparently. I know. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, or that, a Harvard student. Like, yeah. A I wonder if this is the first time she really feels like a, an adult. Maybe. It's like when you She's got a little bitter about it's like when you meet someone much younger than you and you're like in your 30s and you're like, oh, I'm an old person now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 
Yeah. It's like whenever someone uses the phrase VHS player. <laughs> VCR, damn kids. Yeah, it, he ends up going upstairs and Luke's like, I can make you something. And he just bolts upstairs and is like, okay, well, that was Jess. And Lorelai's like, I have an amazing idea. Let's have dinner at my place tomorrow and we'll like have it as like a welcome party for Jess. And Luke's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So that's where they they leave off on that. And she said, oh, I can get Rory to show him around town or whatever. And Suki yeah. will cook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to see all the characters come together to meet Jess all yeah. at once. Yeah. See, that really does feel like a this is the start of the season kind of thing, too. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah. Um, Rory comes in and she's like, oh, I hate her. And Lorelai's like, me, too. And Rory says, you don't even know who I'm talking about. And she's like, solidarity, sister. And that makes me think of my mom. Because sometimes I will call my mom and be like, oh, she's so annoying. My mom's like, I know. Who are we talking about? I even just heard when you said solidarity, sister, I heard it in your mom's voice. Really? Yeah. Creepy. Okay. Great. Not from you saying it. I just could then, like, imagine it. Yes, totally. Um, (laughs) But... She kind of tells her about Paris and that everything went on. And then Lorelai has to ask, did you run into Max? Did you see Max? And Rory lies to her. And then Lorelai calls her out and says, isn't he your lit teacher? Like She's like, I sit behind very tall people. Yeah. Which is my experience at concerts. And she's like, I'm really <laughs> sorry. So I will give Lorelai credit. She does apologize for the situation she's put Rory in. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I don't want you to to not talk to him on my account. Yeah, she apologizes and then is like, uh, but you have to see him, so. Yeah, get over it. Right. Yeah. Very easy. Mm-hmm. Just ruined everyone's lives in this situation and was like, not my circus. Um, I just have to ask this to Bren. You keep on mentioning Lorelai ruining everybody's life because I'm, she did not marry Max Medina. <laughs> so are you saying she should have mar- married Max Medina? I'm just being chaotic. Okay. Okay. That's not... <laughs> My question was going to be, is it better just... to marry him and divorce him, or is it better to not marry him at all? No, it was better not to marry him. Okay. I think it was just... It would have been better to not... Run away. Engage... In the mm-hmm. first place, and sure. it also would have been better to not, yeah, just like blow him off. Yeah, remember the, remember the wedding singer? Yes, yeah. when that movie. he's like, that would have been information that would have been really useful yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that when Elise asked you that question, we both had like our hands crossed. Yes, and we're like staring ahead. I feel like we're interviewing Brian. <laughs> Yeah, this is my interview to, like, see if I can keep being on episodes. Yeah, basically. Because I have no plan for you after this point. Like, in general? Yes. Oh, well, that's that's a way to find out. (laughs) But but you know what? At least you told me to my face, unlike (laughs) Lorelai, to Max Medina. Right, right. The girls leave the diner, and as they're leaving, Lorelai tells Rory that she, they're going to throw a, like, welcome to Stars Hollow party for Jess. And Rory says, oh, you met him? What's he like? And Lorelai's like, well, he's not going to be... Like Regis's replacement or whatever. Yeah, Regis's replacement or whatever. And 
Elise goes, oh, he's so hot. <laughs> About Regis. Oh, Regis? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's dead, so I think now he's actually quite cold. Oh, my, oh God. my God. <laughs> we are back in Luke's apartment. He comes home, like, at 10 o'clock, like he told Jess he would, and Jess was actually there. Surprisingly. So like, let's give Jess some bonus points for uh, no, a moment. No, You are not, after how much crap you guys have given Dean and Max, you are not giving Jess bonus points for being home at 10 o'clock. I only said it to, like, see, like, what kind of reaction I would get out of it. Did I give you what you wanted? Yes. Great. But he's wearing camo. And he's smoking a he's cigarette. A cigarette and he's well, it's not smoking it. I think it's unlit. Yeah, he's like just no. He blew up smoke. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. There was smoke. He did that okay. hot thing where he like pushes his back on the bed and then blew out the smoke. And I'm like, oh yeah. My and it, it makes like a ring, choking. and he grabs it out of the air and he dips it into his coffee like a donut. Oh my god. And he's shuffling those cards. Yeah, he's shuffling his cards like how I would shuffle Yu-Gi-Oh cards when I was like. Sitting at the computer like as a kid. Jack? Yeah. Shuffling. Yeah, just, I don't know, it was a good, like, just idle. It, I it just was... want you to picture, like, 11, 10, 12 year old me, like, seeing this. Ooh, like, him yes. having a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, <laughs> like me going to Catholic school, being like, what? Mm-hmm. I like how. As a society, we've come to understand more that smoking is bad for you, and yet it's still always like the best symbol of like sex that, appeal that or guy's whatever. So yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. He's... I mean, look at like we haven't had it for so long on television, and then mm-hmm. Don Draper, mm-hmm. and people are like, he's so so hot, so sexy, whatever. And it's like, yeah, we're going to look past all of the problems he has because he's hot when he smokes a cigarette. In my favorite anime, One Piece, uh, there is a chef, Sanji, who smokes. Mm -hmm. And in the Americanized area, they change it to a lollipop. And he he would just hold it like a cigarette and be like, they made him sound like Rocky for some reason. Oh, okay. So great. I think they needed to give Jess a cigarette, though, in this instance was because we need to visually see what a hoodlum he is that he's a troublemaker yeah oh Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely showing not telling um i also think it gives him a very like james dean kind of vibe you know and like this is like a lana del rey type oh a thousand percent yeah i think it's Mm. it's kind of interesting how like luke is still kind of trying to suck up to him a little too Mm -hmm. because doesn't later he like, takes a cigarette out of his mouth. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Whereas. Well, I think he's, like, he's adjusting. Yeah. Like, like, he, what do I do? He's still trying to be, like, fun Uncle Luke a little, mm-hmm. as best he can. Yeah. 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 No, and I give props to Luke for that, because he's, like, all right, this guy is, like, this kid just, like, showed up on my doorstep. I have to, you know, make a home for him mm-hmm. out of what I have, which is barely a home. And... He's got to figure stuff out. And so Luke... And, yeah, and you know when you're being annoying to someone. Oh, yeah. And he... I mean, Jess gives no time at all. Like, Luke asks him two questions, and then Jess chimes in with 18. And Luke's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I'm just waiting till you get to, you know, t- the 20 questions. Yeah, Luke's attitude towards Jess is how I feel every time I talk to a child. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey... 
sport. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I feel for Jess, too, because when Liz does call and he's like, I got here this morning, but she didn't call this morning. She's calling when it's convenient for her. And it's like, this is some rooted abandonment yeah, issues. Yeah, he makes that comment, but then when Luke offers to give him the phone, he says pass. Yeah, he's not going to talk to her. And I'm sure it's because he's pissed. I wouldn't, I don't blame him for being upset. Yeah, no, I don't either. Like, if my mom shipped me off, I'd be mad too. Right. So, I guess, like, while we've heard that he's a troublemaker and this and that, we don't know the entire story yet. Yeah, he's, he's, troublemakers usually are not just troublemakers. Right. They're created yeah. by their environment. Right. Right. I mean, not all the time, but, And I you think know. we have to give Luke credit because you can't undo years of trauma or whatever he's been through mm-hmm. just by sending him to his uncles. Mm-hmm. Like, Luke doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. I think that Luke is probably... He's like a very, actually a very smart man, but I think that in this, he knows that he's been there kind of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's trying to figure out how do I go about talking to him? Like I'm talking to how I want to be talked to. Right. Yeah. Luke, Luke and Lorelai are actually like good role models for him mm-hmm. just because they both had like tough upbringings. Yeah. Where... But it's just, you know, when you're at that age and if you're, if you have that much angst, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you meet someone who's literally just you 15 years from now, you're not going to want to listen to them or take their advice. Right. Yeah. Teenagers are scary. You don't understand, man. Right. Yeah. Because they can like you, but then act like they hate you too. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw that (laughs) firsthand, (laughs) like directing high schoolers. Every day was different sometimes. I was a teenager. Yeah. And I was like, I love my parents, but I have very distinct memories of being absolutely horrible to them for, yeah. and usually for Same. no reason, just because mm-hmm. I was pissed off at the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is a great example of another family dynamic that ha- that kind of combats Lorelai and Emily's relationship because Lorelai ran away from Emily. Mm-hmm. She wasn't sent away or anything like that. Emily wanted Lorelai to be there and look at how strained their relationship is. Yeah. Where Jess was shipped off and look at how strained his relationship is. But like Luke and Lorelai both seem to make an effort to try and understand Jess, mm-hmm. whereas Emily never did with Lorelai. Right. Right. Like, Emily, even at this point in the series, she still doesn't get it. She doesn't understand why Lorelai left. She doesn't understand, you know. Yeah. She just knows best. and Yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that she doesn't know why. Well, she would never admit why, I sure. should say. That's fair. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like, one thing where I think she, so, like, maybe intellectually understands why, but I don't think she emotionally mm-hmm. understands why. Yeah. She has, she just doesn't have, like, empathy for Lorelai making that decision. Right. Right. Well, to get us back on track. Yeah. Because Emily's not even, like... In this episode. In this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think she shows up at all. But 
they, the Gilmore girls have established they are going to have a welcoming party for Jess. So Rory will meet Jess, and I can't wait for that moment. And Luke told Jess and told him that he said yes for him, and Jess yep. just, like, storms out. Got up and walked away. I do wonder, though, um, when he said, Luke goes, she has a daughter. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... He's totally trying to... And he's totally hiding it. There's no, like, expression on his face, but I do wonder if he... Oh. Obviously, you saw how pretty Lorelai was, and then mm-hmm. Luke is like, "She's just like her mother, except for more." You'll like her because she's just like Lorelai. Yeah, yeah. When he clearly does not like Lorelai either. A yeah. teenage boy is gonna put them. He can do the math and know right. the mom's yeah. pretty. Most likely, the daughter is probably pretty. Luke is planting that seed pretty. Well, and too, like, I guess the way I thought of it too. They say, like, she's she's well-read, she's smart, blah, 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 mm-hmm. whatever, is just picturing, like, this total nerd, like, oh yeah. you know, stereotype kind of girl where it's like, oh, great, I'm going to have to be friends with a nerd, this girl or whatever. And then he sees her and it's the absolute opposite and yeah. he falls hard. I think for that's some, probably more that. For some reason, the cheer of, I'm popular, I'm sexy, I'm cute, I'm popular to boot, like, yeah. just. Yeah. Went in my head. Okay. <laughs> Great. So yeah. funny you're the one that's quoting Bring It On. Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right. We are back at the Franklin. Everyone's getting ready to uh, make the first draft of the new paper. And the teacher, of course, makes a comment that everyone is prompt and on time. And Rory's early. And Rory's early. And she tells Paris that... She has a great group writing for her and that she needs to give Miss Gilmore something a little better to work, a little more to work with. Because she said her piece on um, the cro- the new concrete in the parking lot was m- very moving. <laughs> and I just love it. so I, I think <laughs> I so have to feel badass. like the teacher is like in on the joke. I'm sorry. Those teachers know Paris well enough. Yeah, to know. she's she's totally like shiving her. Yeah, like yeah. Haha, your plan failed. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure it she blew up in her face because it looks like it makes her look bad. Like she doesn't know what talent she has. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even in that scene earlier when she's scolding Rory for being late, she, I think she hears enough that Rory said, "You told me four. So it's like mm-hmm. she already knows that there's sabotage. Yeah. And she's kind of like sticking it to Paris in the way that only a teacher can yeah. in this mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a like classy in, teacher in D and D. That's called lawful good. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So <laughs> Paris kind of gets that fed to her, and their meeting is adjourned. They're going to start putting together the episode, and then Paris comes up to Rory and she says, "You know." I want to recognize, like, good work, and that was a great piece, and I'd like to give you the front cover piece for the first edition, and I'd like you to interview last year's favorite teacher. Which he won in a landslide, I should point out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. chalk chalk up another W for Max Medina. Yep, and... (laughs) Rory's like, oh, wow, thanks, that's great. and But she knows there's going to be a catch. Because she's like, really? No, there's no catch. Yeah. And then she goes, P- 
Paris says, well, you'll want to schedule that with Mr. Medina as soon as possible. And Rory's like, Mr. Medina? Yeah, she had a coffee. She'd spit it out. Yeah. And Paris is like, well, I mean, there's no reason why you can't interview him, right? Like, things are, you know, going fine with him and your mom, right? And Rory's like, I don't think we need to talk about my mom's personal business. And Paris goes, that sounds bad. Is it bad? You would know, bitch. And that's why I was like, I want to grab her pigtails and just, like, yank her to the ground. Because it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, show her the pencil trick from The Dark Knight. Oh, ew, Bryn. Ew. Anyway, so Rory says, I'm going to do it. I'll write it. And another great prideful moment for Rory to be like, you know what? This is a great opportunity for me. I'm going to take it and shove it back in her face. And I need to talk to Max anyways. You yeah. know what, though? That kind of sucks that, like, that doesn't get to happen on Rory's own terms. Yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yet another instance of Paris forcing either of the Gilmore girls to, like, deal with this problem when they're not ready to. Mm-hmm. I think but I agree with that. But I think, was there ever going to be a point where Rory was going to approach Max and talk yeah, to him about sure. it? Probably not. I mean, it, like, ultimately it's good that it happens, but yeah. it's still not. Paris wasn't helping. Uh, well, no. it takes one thing off of her list to sit there and try to think, well, how do I go up and approach him? Right. Yeah. You know, because that's even yeah, more like, frustrating it's like, sometimes. Like, it's better than being cold with him all year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's where that scene ends. So we know Rory is going to have to meet with Mr. Medina at some point to discuss him being the landslide favorite teacher at Chilton. Landslide, bring it. Yeah, some Stevie Nicks. (laughs) Which, uh, funny story about that, I had a teacher in sixth grade who was named Teacher of the Year by Disney. Okay. And that ended up being the teacher who Amy really wanted. (laughs) Dude. Yeah, he left my school and went to Bryn's school. That's crazy. So I got him the year that Amy was supposed to have him. <laughs> and I No, you didn't. Oh, something like that. Because I was supposed to have him for sixth grade, and you got him for sixth grade. Oh, okay. So it was there was a delay. Two it was it wasn't later. like that exact. Right. But but still. And I didn't like him. <sighs> he was so nice. But I do now, like in hindsight. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay, All right. So that's where we're at. <laughs> Can I just say, we usually record on like a Saturday or Sunday morning, and today we're recording on Wednesday evening, and I'm hungry and ready for dinner. And to see Suki making a pot roast and grilled cheese and chicken wings and basically everything that sounds amazing right now, <laughs> it's didn't, really hard. Didn't this air on Thursday nights originally? Um, this would have been on Tuesday nights. Oh, we should have done it last night. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. But we are at the big party, the big welcome party. Suki and Jackson are bickering over whether or not there's enough food. Um, Rory's working on homework. And Lorelai is, you know, getting all her ducks in a row before Luke and Jess arrive. When Luke and Jess arrive, Lorelai... He apologizes to Lorelai by saying there was a little confusion on what time we needed to be here. And it was like, okay. Um, Jess and Luke walk into the kitchen. Lorelai introduces them. And the first thing Suki says is, do you like cheese? And he's like, 
What? Which I just want to point to that moment because I feel like it's one of the only times Jess has ever actually, like, tripped up by something. <laughs> just yeah. Just the sheer weirdness of Jackson and Suki. Right. Yeah, and he's, like, trying to get Jess to try a lemon. What? Yeah. But he wanders into the doorway of Rory's bedroom, and Rory turns around, and she's like, hey. She's working on her cute little iMac. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey. And he walks in, and he looks at her books, and he goes, well, someone's hooked on phonics. Mm-hmm. And, Bryn, you made a, a great observation, and I think you were half kidding, but I think it, it is a, a good observation to make. Yeah, that Dean is too stupid to make pop culture jokes like that constantly, and now Amy Sherman Palladino has yet another character she can, like, stuff a million references into. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's because Dean is stupid. No, I know. I just don't know. think he's as culturally aware of the world. In or, a way that Jess would be, or is like prone to like sneak, like flaunt all the references he's not, he can like, make. Smart witted in mm. the same sense. He's not book yeah. smart. He's street smart. Right, but he's looking at books, and it's not street smart. He's <laughs> <laughs> not. No, I know. Jess, Jess is book smart and street smart. <laughs> yeah, Dean is just his himself. He's got a nice tan. <laughs> Yeah. I like his hair. He looks okay yeah. in a turtleneck. Yeah. Yeah. No, he doesn't. No, I hate the turtleneck. <laughs> hey, you know what? He's a hard worker. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Okay. Mm-hmm. We can agree on that. On yeah. you too. Okay, great. Are you going to carry the rest of the podcast then while we sit here and not talk? No. <laughs> oh, okay. You jinxed us. Oh, right. Okay. Amy and Elise, they're Did your Did you think unjinxed. I was, like, coming after you? For yeah, because like, I I was like, <laughs> you asked me to say something. <laughs> I thought you did, too. I didn't, like, interrupt. Like, oh, my gosh. Wow, you guys think so highly of me. <laughs> You're just so intimidating. Oh, my God. Okay, well, anyway. So she <laughs> says he can take that book, or she says, do you like to read? And he's like, No. Not much Not or something. Much, yeah. yeah. Which, and she's like, yeah. well, you can borrow that book if you want to. And he's like, no, thanks. And he goes up to her windows and he goes, do these open? And she was like, well, yeah, you just like lift the latch and push it out and it opens. And he's like, all right, uh, let's go. And I was like, is, the, is he being genuine here? Like he wants to leave or is he like putting on a show? Because now he's like, oh, she's well read and she's cute. I mean, he does, like, ditch the party later, so I'm, I'm sure he intended to blow it off at some point. But, but he wants to bring yeah, her with. Yeah, it feels like he's, like, putting out a little performance for her. Like, I'm the cool, just breezed in from out of town. Yeah. Oh, if he knows that she reads a lot. He knows how to. She's like, he's like one of the characters from my books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like... You don't want to do that. Like, Suki made a bunch of food, and, like, I know it doesn't seem fun, but it will be fun. And and he's like, okay. And she's like, do you want a soda? He's like, I'll get my own. He's like Jacob from Twilight. Oh, my God. Not the same timeline. No. That came out way later. I think I made a Twilight reference in the last I'm episode, sure too, did. which is kind of funny, because... Yeah, you're a big Twy hard. I guess. <laughs> um, but she grabs a soda, goes into the living room... Jess opens the fridge and decides, oh, there's a a rolling rock. I'm going to have that. Nice product placement. Yes. 
and well, it's either a Rolling Rock or, or a Heineken. Heineken. Yeah, it's just. But it's a green bottle. Yeah, crap beer I think probably. It's Rolling Rock though. But anyway, they he takes it out onto the patio. They cut to the living room, and they're like, "Where's Jess?" And Rory's like, "Oh, he's just getting a soda." <laughs> like, okay. See, but I am with this interaction right now. Anyways, I did not get from Rory that she even thinks much of him, like attracted to no, him or anything. I don't think so either. No. Oh yeah. I think that comes. When he gives a book back yeah. to her. Like, later yeah. on in the episode, I yeah. think that's when it yeah, sparks. She, yeah, she's like... Uh, he's just like, oh, he's just like a guy. Yeah, she's she's willing to, like, give him a chance, but... Well, it's not that she... I'm just yeah. saying, like, how he You're sees saying, like, her right away. Yeah. And right. he's like, whoa, she's cute. Well, and she's, I didn't get that with her. Well, and she's also dating someone. Yeah. So I'm sure, like... Yeah. She's not going to, like, meet every guy with the intention of, like, no. could he be she, a mate? But... Well, Could he be a mate? Well, I don't know how... I don't even fucking do that now. <laughs> I don't know how girls think. Oh. Is that what you thought when you saw me? She could be my mate? She could be my mate. <laughs> <laughs> me take her back to cave. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm sure to Rory, she's just like, okay, another guy who doesn't read the same yeah. books as me, like, whatever. Yeah. They're all the same. And... yeah. Um, Lorelai goes into the kitchen to get some bread out of the oven, and she's like, where is he? She kind of looks into Rory's bedroom, and he's not in there. She goes out on the patio, and when she gets on the patio, she sees Jess doing that cool party trick where you open, like, a beer bottle up on, like, a ledge of something. And she's like, oh, for me? Thanks. Thanks. And takes it away from him. And she tries to play this off as like the I'm a cool mom thing that we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. being like yeah the whole like hate your parents thing like I did that or that I had the chip on my shoulder thing whatever and she's like and Luke's just like trying to help you and he's such a good guy yeah she's trying to have like her very special moment with him yeah Mm -hmm. and he's not falling for it and just says like what are, is, how does he's, he he's like, it? are you sleeping with him? Yeah. And, and she's like, this starry-eyed look in your eyes either says that you have feelings for him or you're getting know, some. It's, yeah, it's or you're like, getting some. It's like you can almost hear, like, the sappy full house theme in the background, and then there's just immediately a record scratch. Yeah. And this is the first time I've seen Lorelai, like, speechless. Mm-hmm. And she's like... I don't know if I've ever had a moment in my life where I've wanted to throw a cream pie in somebody's face, but this is definitely one of those moments. And they get, like, this back and forth or whatever, and she's like, this is my house, and I'm not going to be talked to that way. And, like, goes back inside. And she starts, like, getting more bread or whatever, and then Luke walks in, and he's like, where's Jess? And she's like, oh, he's out on my my patio I just like found him with a beer and I wasn't trying to bust him I was trying to tell him that he's got like a good thing going and whatever and Luke gets immediately defensive Mm -hmm. why do you think he hops on the defense right away because he realizes more than he's letting on that Jess is a screw up and Lorelai tells him and Lorelai was right she was right and now she's further doing what she was doing earlier like explaining to him like this you're, kid is trouble you're in over your head yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, and Luke goes, oh, well, because you have a kid, you know everything. And she's like, because I have a kid, I know more than you do. And then he says... A kid who's Jess's age, no less. Yeah. And then he really puts his foot in his mouth and says, you got pregnant at 16. That's not great decision-making skills now, is it? Two pies. Yeah, she says two pies. So uh, those Danes boys are... I don't know. It's hot. (laughs) (laughs) What, the pie in the face? (laughs) You know, I... Him just, like, dissing Lorelai, I was like, oh, dang. I I give Luke a lot of credit for standing up for Jess, though. Like, he doesn't have to do that. He can be like, yeah, he's a shithead, and I don't know what to do about it. No. But he's like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to treat this kid the way he was treated by his mom. Yeah. Like, I want him to turn his life around. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen if he's just going to be surrounded by people who talk down to him yeah, constantly. I agree. Right. Yeah, because she was trying to talk to him like Mr. Rogers earlier. And yeah. Had, it's, it's, it's like, that's not how you're going to connect well, to him. she played it off, like, all cool and then turned it into Mr. Rogers and then immediately backtracked into I'm an adult, you're not. I do. And it's like none of it, it's not her business either. No. So it's a little like I would feel uncomfortable if I was just cuz I'd be like, wow, does everybody just think I'm some mess up here? Right. You know. I do think it's so funny though when like she senses the conversation going south and immediately goes into, well, it's my house. Ha ha. And she yeah. even says that which I know. Is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she is still like emotionally a 16 year old like but she's a 16 year old that gets to play the adult she has power Mm yeah yeah Yeah. well yeah because i and i don't i don't even think that's just like a 16 year old immaturity thing i think parents in general like yeah like just love having that light switch of Uh like yeah like i'll rap with you i'll turn my chair around and like sit backwards in it and talk to you and then as soon as you get the disrespect it's like well i'm the adult sit your ass down like yeah and they can do that yeah because they're the adults mm-hmm. and you're not going to stop them but i think lorelei is forgetting that she is not just as adult right mm-hmm. and she has overstepped a major boundary yeah. and expects luke to accept that yeah. yeah like i think she's pissed because luke is not taking her side yeah and luke's like this isn't your kid like back off i think that he knows that that i think he sees a lot of himself and jess and just knows that's not the way to approach it yeah it actually would have been more appropriate for lorelei to actually bust him for the beer because yeah yeah that's messed up he's stealing he's drinking under it you know yeah but even if you know that didn't even necessarily to be need to be attacked, like she could let him slide for that, but not go into the sappy. Uh huh. Yeah, she could have just uh, been like, "Oh, thanks, f- thanks, thanks for the beer. Thanks for the yeah. beer. Let's go inside and eat." Or yeah, like ask a off. question, like, but, "What are you into?" Like things yeah. that, like, instead of just going into, "Here's my big speech," and yeah, um, here's my filibuster that I like wrote three hours ago. Yeah, she was immediately on the defense with Jess. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't give him any room to... Be a person. Be, yeah, be himself. Yeah, and I mean... Have you seen any good movies? And I mean, not... ask a question. Yeah, yeah, not that it's right, but he's also a teenager, like, stealing a beer. Yeah. Teenagers do that. But, and that's why Luke makes a great point when he says, 
do you think that maybe you just got lucky with Rory? No. Yeah, she's like the freaking easiest child. Yeah, it's like... Well, now she is. Yeah, now she is, but... I think that's a great point. Like, he's saying, you got lucky with Rory because Rory likes books. She doesn't want to leave. Like, she's happy being content and fine. She's not looking for trouble. You yeah, know? she, and, like, she hit a home run in the worst possible right. situation. Right. Yeah, I, I'm i really glad, though, that Luke stands up to Lorelai. But I yeah. also, this totally cements our argument that Jess was introduced to break up anything happening between Luke and Lorelai at any given moment. I will say too, we're giving Lorelai a lot of crap right now. And I, she didn't deserve to be talked like that either. Oh no. Yeah. No. Like I just, I realized we were piling on her a bit and yeah. Yeah. That was, and I don't think Jess is like in the right for how he talked to her either. And I think Luke, Throwing the 16-year-old decision-making thing that in her face gross. was, yeah, shitty. Yeah. Whatever. Either of those men can come over to my place and talk to me that way. <laughs> take anything. I love that. it when a man treats me like dirt. Yes. <laughs> Spit on me. Oh, my God. I, sorry. It was a joke. It was there. I had to do it. No, I understand. It's fine. I, I respect your, your humor well, for these men. I think there's something to be said for the fact that, like, the only... Lorelai is never really shamed in the Stars Hollow world for being, like, a single teenage mom. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first time, like, you know, Richard and Emily in their, in that world, yeah. you know, judge her for it all the time. But, like, this should be, like, her safe. Like, she came here with the baby already. We're not going to yeah. ask questions. We're just going to accept it. Yeah. And this is the first time that, like, someone popped that bubble for her and, like, threw that in her face. And the fact that it was Luke, of all people, like, yeah, who's like her best friend in the town, you know. They put her on a pedestal. Yeah. And he just knocked her down. Yeah. And for something that really should not be something she's knocked down for. Right. Like, yeah. you shouldn't judge her for that. Well, and she freaks out because then she's like... Don't worry, you'll never have to see me again. And Luke goes... Promise. <laughs> She's going to never have to hear any of my opinions ever again. And he's like, don't tease me. <laughs> Which I love that they still have that, like, back and forth. That banter. Banter. What is the promise from? Oh, yeah, that's a oh, John, John Mulaney. Mulaney. Yeah. There will be Mulaney an army book. of there... short people out here protesting. Promise? The reason why these boundaries are being crossed, though... And this fight is happening is because they are sliding into a a relationship dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are moving into each other. Like her coming over or him coming over with Jess and having dinner with them. And it's just this is like stuff you'd kind of do with like a boyfriend. And that relationship is now beyond just the diner. Yeah, And that's stuff that they would have to talk about anyway if they were in a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. like Kirk would like walk up to her on the street and be like, you had a kid out of wedlock, yeah, whore, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he uh, play the whore, like, later when he dresses in, up as a woman because oh, Lulu is sick? Oh, yeah, because, like, when they do the reenactment of the, yeah. like, the whore who took in the soldier or whatever. <laughs> he looks pretty. Oh, my God. But, yeah, and then, like, why they are sliding into this, like, couple fight almost. Yeah. You know, because they're, they're fighting like a couple. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, though, that they have this disagreement over, like, parenting 
children, and Max and Lorelai had a similar agreement or a similar disagreement where she basically said, you don't have to raise Rory. Yeah. She's already been raised. Mm-hmm. And now she's trying to tell Luke how to raise Jess. Yeah, she's trying yeah. to raise Jess right. yeah. for him. Yep, because yeah. she doesn't think he can handle it. And it's like, girl, you need to back out and like look at the big picture here because you are doing to Luke what Max was doing to you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a good look. But man, I I feel like this is a moment where like we should remind our audience that we do love this show. <laughs> we do like these characters. Yeah, how long I in the, love Lorelai. How long in the episode did it take to get to that disclaimer? <laughs> <laughs> Too long. Like two, Too like long. two hours in. Yeah. We like this show. It's just like a good, healthy reminder from you, time to time. You wouldn't believe how often we have to say that on the SpongeBob podcast. Really? When Patrick is being stupid, we love this show. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. But I know. I loved it. She got served. I love that Jess called her out and was like, "Did you? are you sleeping with him? It was like, finally, somebody said but it. I know. It's but like I, you want to do like the... Yes. But I, but I do also... Like Lorelai, like putting her foot down too. Like the mm-hmm. stay out of my fridge line is like a Homer Simpson line. That and is I think that's the super equivalent funny. of Rory standing up to Paris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, isn't it great? Both the Gilmore girls stood up to teenagers today. <laughs> Actual teenagers. Yes. With yes. petty grudges. All right. We are at Luke's the very next day. And it starts with Lorelai telling Rory that she has to go in and get the coffee and the Danishes because it is Danish day and she can't go in there because her and Luke are fighting. And Rory says, why don't you just make up and then we can go in and get coffee and Danishes because Danish day is the happiest of all days. And Lorelai says, no, you go in there and you tell him that you want two coffees and two Danishes and they are for you. So she does. Do you think when Luke makes da- Danishes, he calls them Danes' Danishes? No. No. Well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Rory goes in. She orders two coffees and two Danishes. And he, and he looks at her. And she looks at him. She's like, what? And he goes, is one of them for her? <laughs> and she's like, no, they're both for me. I am very hungry and very thirsty. And I want two coffees and two Danishes. And he goes, I'll give you one coffee and one Danish. And she goes, but I want two and coffees. I'll, and I'll watch you eat one, yeah, and then I'll and bring then, you a second one. Yeah, he goes, well, then you can have your one coffee and your one Danish and sit over there at that table. And if you decide you want another, I will bring you more. And she's like, you're going to sit there and, and watch me eat a Danish? <laughs> cables out. Yeah, he's like, cables out. I'm starved for entertainment. So is it one coffee, one Danish, or nothing at all? She's mm-hmm. like, I'll take the one coffee and the one Danish. And Rory does the smart thing because Lorelai says, give me half of your coffee and half of the Danish. She goes, you can have the Danish. I'm having the coffee because she knows the coffee is the real, yeah, the real sacrifice here. So she takes the coffee and walks off. And as she walks away, a little boy walks by and Lorelai's like, hey, kid. Come here. And she's like trying to bribe him to get money. And when the kid walks away, she stands up and looks inside and Luke and her make eye contact. Which are you guys going to do like a top five 
pathetic Lorelai moments because <laughs> I feel like her begging that kid is up there. Yeah. Also, I'm now just thinking about like f- having the kid go in there and order a coffee. Yeah, would be very weird. <laughs> yeah, if it was the Danish, I think it'd be more yeah. understandable. But but so he sees just how truly pathetic she really is, and how stubborn she is because she's yeah. not going to go in there and apologize. Right. And he is not going to seek her out to apologize either. Mm-hmm. He's got the goods. Mm-hmm. He's got the coffee. Yep. <laughs> He's got the upper hand. Yes. The balls and. Yeah. yeah. He feels so, he feels pretty mighty until... Mm-hmm. He gets a phone call, and it's Taylor, and he's like, quit your babbling. What's going on? And he's like, how did you know Jess did it? Or how do you know Jess did it? And he goes, well, if Jess didn't say he did it, then he didn't do it. And no one saw him do it. Yeah, and he goes into, like, this Boston-Italian accent kind of thing. And he hangs up the phone. And that's where the scene ends. So Jess did something, maybe. It's very likely. And yeah. we don't know what it is yet. One thing I thought was interesting about this scene is that um, Luke doesn't charge Rory for the... The Dan- coffee and the Danish. Yeah, which makes me wonder if they have a tab or something at Luke's. Because you mentioned that you don't really see them pay. Very rarely do they yeah. pay. Yeah. So, I, yeah, maybe they have a tab. And then I'm wondering if maybe he double-charged her on the tab. <laughs> Just to be spiteful. I could see that. Well, I'm she sure said he she... doesn't add very much to that tab. If oh. he does have a tab, I feel like... Yeah, what is it? He does like or he'll once be like, a week. Eh, don't pay me, I gave you decaf. It's like a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. But I... It's great to see that they are both just going to be themselves. And I think it's... I think this is like the first time, too, that we see Rory interact with Luke. Mm-hmm. On kind of a me like substantial level Mm -hmm. independent from I mean it's about her mom but her mom isn't there to like be the adult yeah so it's just it's cute seeing Rory like can kind of go toe-to-toe with him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do enjoy that yeah Bryn's looking at me like he's ready to just (sighs) dive in well hang on I'm still shaking off the feelings (laughs) We are outside of Mr. Medina's classroom with Rory, and she's kind of doing like this, should I go in, should I not go in, should I go in? And then finally she just opens the door and goes in, and she's like, Mr. Medina? And he hops up and he's like, Rory, and she's like, I can come back if this isn't a good time. He's like, now is good. And she's like, no, I can come back maybe tomorrow. And he's like, now, let's do this now. And she comes in, sits down, and she decides she's going to record it so she records it and they're talking back and forth um he tells her a story about his name and she asks if there's anything he wanted to do before he became a teacher and he said i had a stint where i wanted to be a clown which both amy and elise made like like noises and he actually points out he stopped doing it because he's like, well, when you tell people you want to be a clown, they get frightened. So yeah, he do. was already ahead of you. It's very true. Mm-hmm. And so then he just says that he decided to do teaching and Rory asks him if he. Well, she tells that story about her mom taking her to a circus. Oh, yeah. After he divulges that he would have liked to have been a clown. 
Rory tells a story of Lorelai taking her to the circus and that she bought Rory cotton candy and a clown accidentally bumped it like out of her arms and onto the floor. And she couldn't afford to buy her a new one. So Lorelai like followed the clown and ripped his wig off and said, I'll give this back to you when you buy my daughter a new cotton candy. And she he did. He bought her like a new one that was twice as big. And she said she threw up the whole way home. And Max goes, yeah, that sounds like your mom. And that's when Rory says, do you ever have any regrets about not becoming a clown, becoming a clown? (laughs) (laughs) And I think she just asks that because she doesn't know what how to respond to that, which is fair. Well, Mm -hmm. it's a it's a real it's there's a real question underneath the big one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he goes into this really, I will say, moving spiel about how he doesn't have regrets. And I'm kind of getting choked up thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have regrets. Like, each experience that he has has, like, shaped and molded him into the person that he is today. And he doesn't look back on things in, like, a negative way. He doesn't look back on things in a negative way. And it's very moving, even for Max Medina. And... Rory has been recording their conversation on a tape recorder, and she turns it off after he says that. Yeah. And she says, um, why am I getting choked up about this? I don't know. It's fucking weird. (laughs) Like, how to turn, I'm, like, literally turning my back to you right now. Because this is, like, secondhand embarrassment (laughs) for my emotion. Because She's like, "I, I really wanted you to be my stepdad. And he says, I really wanted to be your stepdad. And then there's, like, silence. And then she's, like, and she starts the tape recorder again. And then she goes, what do you think are the biggest issues facing graduates today? And it's, like, that was all that needed to be said. Mm -hmm. And they were good. And I think that shows how hard this is for Rory. Not having a dad. That and... Just, like, he was there and then he wasn't. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that he was... I don't think he was perfect for Lorelai at all. Mm -mm. I think he was perfect for Rory. See, I don't know where this is all coming from from everybody. I did not see these two really freaking interact that much. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Are you like on a bit? I guess... I look at it as in this is somebody whose actual father has shown zero interest yeah. in her life. And this is someone who showed even just the tiniest bit of interest. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, a tiny bit of interest when you're 16 can go a long way. Oh, yeah. I think there's something. This This was on the episode where Christopher comes back. Mm-hmm. Where you guys were talking about, you know, how invested is Christopher in Rory's life. And yeah. Elise made a comment about, I don't think Christopher hates Rory, but he, she's just a nice little bonus for him or something yeah. to that extent. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know I've been like the max defender. Yeah. But I, I think in this case, it is 100% true that he wanted to be her stepfather. And I think that was unrelated to how he felt about Lorelai. I think it was just... This is a great kid. Mm-hmm. Like, 
any, I wanted to start a. He wanted to have a family. Like yeah. any, like All any father should be proud of having her yeah. as a kid, and I think that's. It's such an important and like moving thing to come from him. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting choked up. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> oh my, oh like my god! So weird that's just, it's just like the saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> No, I, I, I just think this is such a beautiful, mo- and it's a beautiful like closure for yeah him, mm-hmm. and I don't think he would have cared to ever see Lorelai again. But I think seeing Rory was like a okay, we can move on now. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think I relate to that on like a, a major personal level too. So that's probably where my tears are coming from. Guess I should probably work on that in therapy next week. <laughs> yeah, but it's it is a very sweet moment. I give Scott Cohen like a lot of credit for doing a great job with that scene. I give Mr. Medina, Max Medina, a lot of shit because I don't think he was a great person for Lorelai, but I do think he was a great father figure for Rory. Well, and I think he's. I would or go. Could have been a I, great father figure. I would go as far as to say I think fundamentally he is a good person, even if he wasn't right for Lorelai and overstepped you know, or made Boundaries. mistakes. He has he yeah he needs somebody who's very on the same track as him. Of yeah, yeah. Like, we're and gonna get married and it's gonna we're gonna have our whole life planned and we can yeah. do it tomorrow. And I think he's a good genuine person in a way that Christopher is not. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I like Max better than Christopher. Yeah, in, for sure. In another life, he would have really just loved doing laundry and taxes. And clowning. <laughs> Brynn is like bawling. Sorry, we just watch every everything everywhere all at once and oh. <laughs> there's some yeah. like residual like emotion Maybe over that's that. That's where your guys' emotions coming from, because I feel like, I'm a very cold-hearted <laughs> woman over here. No, I just have abandonment and dad issues. Uh, so yeah. do I. <laughs> I had a very healthy upbringing, so I don't, I don't know. We're, we're kind of getting the whole, like, spectrum here, I feel. Good for you, Bryn. Thank guys, you. I, guys, I want you to close your eyes. Okay. I want you to close your eyes. And just think of Max Medina and clown makeup. Yeah. <laughs> All I think of is like the white makeup getting stuck in that wrinkle he has, like between his eyes. I you need to keep in mind too that like if I knew Max Medina as a person, I'd be like his friend, and I'd find out about him and Lorelai and be like, oh come on man, let's just go get a beer and forget about it. If Max Medina was your friend, I would be like, we we can't be friends with people like this, Bren. Can't be friends with a teacher who's nice. Who pressures his girlfriend into marrying him. Oh, come on. Oh, pish tosh. We're not getting into this on the <laughs> podcast. Oh, and, that's, and that's the end of Max. Well, he comes back later, but I think yeah. this, yeah, this is more or less the end of that story. Yes. For and a while. I think it was a nice, a nice bow. Yeah, and it needed to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Paris. All right, Luke is waiting outside of Stars Hollow High for Jess, and Jess comes out, and he does the whole, like, how was school? And he's like, oh, it was great. I got gold stars plastered all over my forehead. A little bit of foreshadowing, too. He has Murray's book. He comes out reading it. And that's what he puts in his back pocket? Mm-hmm. 
I did not even notice that. Did so? Did he take Kurt Roy's copy, or did he already have it? No, he took it. Yeah, that comes out at the end of the episode. Oh, okay, yeah. that's right. Because he oh, like yeah. put notes in it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So they're kind of arguing back and forth already, because Jess is already like on the defense, and Luke is already on the defense. I'm sure because he's like, "You put me in hot water with Lorelai, and I don't want to be in hot water with Lorelai." Oh, I think he does. <sighs> Yeah. And me too. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you know, I got a call from Taylor and he said that you stole some money from the donation jar for the bridge. And I was like, that's crazy. He wouldn't do something like that. You wouldn't do something like that. Right. And they go into like this back and forth of like just saying, why don't you just leave me alone? Like, I don't want to talk to you about this. Like, just you know, stop talking to me, stop following me, stop asking me questions. And Luke's like, oh, you want me to stop following you? And he's like, yes. You want me to stop talking to you? Yes. Okay. Whatever. And he's fine. Like, fine. You got it. And then they start walking down the bridge and they get about halfway and Luke pushes Jess into the water off the bridge. And there is just something so comical about how a human body just like totally flops I know. <laughs> when it's like it's great. And so I, is this, this is... the first time we see that bridge? Yes, and okay. that bridge becomes pretty yeah. popular this season. Yeah. Um, I remember I will post this on Instagram because I do have a video of Bryn reacting to this moment and it's pretty great and I think this is kind of when this might have been one of the first episodes you've you saw yeah yeah because I was I was thinking earlier it was the scene where Rory is trying to order the two Danishes Mm -hmm. I think is the first scene I remember watching of the show with you sure which I think says something about what you were saying earlier how this is just an episode you'll throw on Mm -hmm. because I don't think you were like watching the series I think it was just yeah. You were watching Gilmore Girls, and this was coincidentally the episode you were watching. Yeah. So I actually, I remember thinking that it was, like, from much later in the series. Mm, because okay. I think you were watching it, like, in the middle of... My rewatch. Like, watching season six or something, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, this is the first year I haven't sat down and just watched all of them. Yeah. Because something else came up. Can I tell you a secret? You've never seen Gilmore Girls. No. <laughs> I told this to one other person before, and they said that there was, like, something wrong with me. Oh, my God. What? I, like, whenever I say, see people by water, like, by on a bridge, like, I... It doesn't matter how old they are either. I, like... <laughs> Like have an urge where I want to push them into the water. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's funny. It's hilarious. But like anyone any, at any time. I think it's. I'm never walking with you again. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's just one of those things where it's like, it's funny because it's mostly harmless. Yeah. Usually. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah. I yeah, mean, no. I mean, you wouldn't. I would I mean, never do it. I mean, you you said it doesn't matter what their age is, but if you were going to do that to anyone, it wouldn't like, be. Like, not a baby. I don't, not, I'm never with a baby or But anything. it wouldn't be, like, a frail old <laughs> person. I'm standards. It's, it's someone you know could, like, take it, yeah. that they wouldn't, yes. like, bust their head open or something. Yes. Which and, a teenage boy. And, yeah. It's like, just a, I don't know, it's just an urge. I would never, yeah. do, I would never act on it. Right. Mm. So it's satisfying that. That's uh, good. That did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that is just, like, 
the reason this scene plays so well is it's just catharsis. Yeah. Of like, this kid's been a little shit this whole time. And now he's playing ball. And like, Luke is like, you know what? I'm giving you chances here. And now I'm not going to play that way. I'll play the way you want to play. Yeah. And I'll literally throw you in water. Yeah, this is like in a video game. Not only have you run out of lives, you run out of continues. Mm-hmm. And now, now you get the pond. I um, just pulled up a Huffington Post article where Scott Patterson did say that is his favorite moment from Gilmore Girls. Oh, well, that's oh, one cool. thing we have in common. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's just a good time. I wonder how many takes that took. I know. I was trying to find that. Because you'd, you'd have to be dried off. Yeah. I also just think it's funny, too, how, like, they have this argument that ends in, I'm not going to follow you around anymore. Fine. And then they immediately just start walking in the same direction. (laughs) Like, where are they even walking to? Like, where does that lead, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume, assume like, a walking path. Do you think that's the bridge that the money was being raised for? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that there's the extra irony to that. Yep. Good that catch. that if yeah. they had had the money to fix the bridge, maybe there'd be a railing or something, and <laughs> not just this like free flowing. We bridge. couldn't we couldn't have gotten that little slapstick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do um, want to also recognize my twelve year old feelings in the fact that Jess put books in his back pocket. Sexy. Oh, that's so like. I thought that that's was such so a move. Cool. Yeah. Well, and that's what Biff does in Back to the Future too, as well. Sexy. He's got the. Do you oh. say sexy Biff? <laughs> yeah, he's... No, I'm not into Biff. No. But Jess no. also... Old, old Biff, on the other hand. Mm. I think he's oh. got, like, a thing for back pockets, because there's also that scene where he's making out with that girl. Yes. And he puts his hands on her back pocket, and it's like, It's wow. the forbidden zone. I don't even wear pants with back pockets. <laughs> no, you wear those, like, jeggings with the him. fake pockets. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's not my fault that women's jeans don't have real pockets. Right. Have you ever seen that meme where it's like, I mean, there's a million versions of them, but I'm just thinking of the one where it's like, girls' pockets, and it's just like a little, your finger can barely fit in it. And it's like, boys' pockets, and it shows Link's pockets from The Legend of Zelda, and he has like, (laughs) uncooked meat in there. and Gross. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So, that's where we leave off. Jess was pushed into the pond. And we don't have much left, but I love the end of this, so let's get to it. So we are back at the Gilmore house. Rory is working on transcribing her interview with Max Medina and writing that article. Lorelai asks her about the article and what, what's it about, and she says, well, I had to write about the you know student's favorite teacher from last year, and she finds out that it's Max Medina. She's like, that Paris is a a really great friend. Rory's like, yeah, you know, whatever. So Rory leaves and Lorelai picks up the notepad and starts reading the interview. And she's like, I know how to dump him. Yeah. What the hell? I told you, she says those dramatic things when people walk away. Yeah, she's like all by herself, just like, oh, I what sure f- know how to dump them. What a fucking narcissist. <laughs> I know, I'm serious. It's bad. Yeah, men are just playthings in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but good for her, too, yeah. at the same time. Um, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, because women are never playthings. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> okay, well, this is not a social justice podcast. Uh, wait, what? Mm. 
path. I feel like any Gilmore Girls podcast is kind of going to become one. Cause sure. Fair. Anyway. Anyway, uh, Luke storms in, and he's like, I pushed him in a lake. And Lorelai's like, what? And he goes, I pushed him in a lake. I, I, I can't help. I couldn't help myself. And we got into this argument. He stole money, and I don't know what to do. I'm in over my head so far that I can't even see what color hat I'm wearing. And Lorelai's like, we'll just turn it around. And they have, like, this back and forth, and she's like, we'll figure it out. Like, it's fine. And he's like, okay, well, I'll see you at the diner. And she's like, you got it, or whatever. You got it, dude. Yeah. He was, like, telling her what time to be there, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, like, very forcefully, like... He's like, well, just be there at 8 a.m. or something. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh I yeah. will. It was attractive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's just funny, too, because it's, like, it's sort of a making up, but neither of them apologize to each other. They're not going to. No. Mm-hmm. Never. No, they're just... It's... Yeah, but, I mean, that's kind of the relationship, too. It doesn't right. have to be, like, a grand, I'm sorry, you know. No. Yeah, not and for little things, I no. think. This was too little for it to yeah, be. Yeah, they'll just set it aside. It's little yeah. at this point. Yes. At this point, it's little. Yeah. This is just a scratch on the greater issue. Yeah, which she knows how to dump them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sure she know how to dump them. But from there, we transition to... Rory leaving the store and Jess walking down the sidewalk. And he says, hey, what are you doing? Oh, hang on. Did I forget something? Yeah, because Babette shows up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So once they kind of resolve their issue, Babette shows up and says that Pierpont has gone missing. Her first appearance in this episode. Yes. And I do love me some Babette. Yeah. She says that her gnome Pierpont has gone missing and she's not sure where it is. And Luke is like, oh, I, he'll be back. He'll be back. Real soon. Real soon. Well, no, he was like, who's Pierpont? Oh, yeah. And then she was like. Oh, my God, gnome. She was like, can you do her impression? Yeah, but what does she say? She's like, that's the garden gnome. Gorgeous. <laughs> she calls him gorgeous. Pierpont gorgeous. That's the garden gnome gorgeous. <laughs> Something I like that. I wonder if Pierpont is a play on how to succeed in business because that is the main character and they do love their show tunes. Yeah, maybe. So oh. it could be. And then she's like, and you have your garden gnome long enough, you start to hear them talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so he says he's going to get him back. This fires up Luke to the point where he goes back to his apartment and meets Jess there. He's got anti-smoking stuff. He pulls the cigarette out of his mouth. And he says, you are going to work in the diner. You are going to go to school. You are going to get good grades. On the weekends, you will do pre-approved activities. Like protecting the environment. Like and pottery class. pottery classes. And cleaning up the streets of Stars Hollow. Yeah. Beautification. Beautification. And... Jess is like, what? And Luke goes, you're going to graduate high school. Let's start there. And you're going to pay back Taylor Dosey. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're going to return the gnome. because he finds laying down the Because he finds Pierpon in their closet or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So Jess storms out. And that's when he sees Rory. Rory, I think, is leaving the supply store or whatever, the office supply place. 
And he says, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, I just needed some stuff for school. He was like, yeah, me too. And they're kind of talking back and forth. And um, and she's a little cold to him because. Yeah, because there was she's like, you did a disappearing act. And mm-hmm. he blew off the party and you blew off the party, whatever. And he's like, oh, OK, you don't like you don't like magic tricks. And she's like, well, I don't like tricks, you know, coins coming out of any place. But any orifices, any orifices, you know, whatever. And he's like, oh, OK, so the nose is off the table. And she's like, yeah. And then he pulls out a book and he says, well, how about this for a disappearing act? And she's like, oh, I, I told you I would lend you that. You didn't need to buy it. And he's like, this is your copy. I made notes. And yeah, and she's like, you stole my book? And she goes, I thought you didn't read much. What is much? Yeah, what is much? And then he does like the whole like mm-hmm. shit-eating grin thing. And she's like, you've read this before. And starts looking at the notes that he left in the margins. Uh, about 40 times. Yeah. And there's this moment where she's like, okay. And she turns around and she starts looking at the notes. And then she turns back around and does like this, like, cutesy, like, uh, smile kind mm-hmm. of thing. See you around, Dodger. Yeah. And makes a reference. And he's like, Dodger? And then he realizes Oliver, Oliver and Twi- company. Stop. <laughs> Oliver Twist. And the fact that Rory can make a reference like that and have him understand it, I think is winning him big points. Um yeah. Huge points. Yeah. Wow. And he's he's... Cute, and he does that grin, that little like smoldery eye look that he does where he does like a half smile with his mouth. And you're like, wow, he's way better than Dean. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, no, there is a thing, though. I think when you are younger and you first like somebody and you're like, oh, I like this person. And then you meet somebody you really like. Yeah, and you're that, like, I knew nothing. Yeah. And I this, think I, this, it's that moment. I think I, I read like. something where um, the actor who played Dean preferred Jess because he's like, yeah, yeah Dean's did. an asshole. But and Jess said that he preferred Dean. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Jess was an asshole. They were both <laughs> assholes. Yeah. yeah. But Jess, like, intervened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Logan was, I think, Team Jess as well. Yeah. And no one was Team Logan. <laughs> you look at me. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I think it's like I'm trying to think of a book person that I know, and they would be so mad if you wrote in their book. Yeah, that's kind of a that's very presumptuous. Yeah, Professor Jess. But I think that was a risk that he was willing yeah. to take. Yeah, and it paid yeah. off. It was and a, it did. Yeah, yeah, it was a big move. Yeah. yeah, it was bold. He was well, like, I know, I've read this book so many times, like, I, I know what to say. I already know. Yeah. Yep, and you and he knew that she was going to go home and read that front to back. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be funny if he was just, like, pointing out typos or stupid shit like that. No, it's way it's like, beyond that. It's nothing, there's nothing insightful. He's probably so excited to communicate like they both i think are very excited to be able to communicate this yes. they have intellectually stimulating conversations they're just people to speak in each other's language yeah right? 
I know Rory hasn't had anyone to talk to about books yeah, in that kind of way. It's because, like, Lane has got the music thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, and Paris is the, a bitch. And, and, yeah. And yeah. Paris is also not something you can, like, talk about books with. Right. She, because... Yeah, that would turn she, into... Because you can't disagree with her. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah completely. And those are the, the worst people to have a conversation with. Yeah. Right. So, it ends on him... Being very proud of himself. Very smitten. And he has solidified his place in the Gilmore universe now. Mm-hmm. This was like, if this was a trial episode and they were like, we'll see how it goes. There is no way that it would have gone badly. If this was a trial and I was on jury duty, I would have to stand up and be like, you're going to have to excuse me from this trial. <laughs> the, the defendant is just so hot. <laughs> Well, it'd also be funny if this trial, like, flopped, and then the next episode was, like, Luke. Oh, yeah, Liz, Liz took Jess back, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, no. No. I think Amy knew what she was doing, and yeah, it was Oh, great. I'm sure she was, like, Introduced yeah. the bad boy compared to Dean's small-town bumpkin, which it's kind of funny, too, because Dean is from Chicago originally. Yeah, which but like, he could be from a smaller suburb of Chicago. Yeah, but, like, even then, he just gels with the small town life so quickly that you kind of forget he was, like, mm-hmm. the newbie on the scene. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was the Jess originally, and then... Yeah. Yep. yep. I think it's all about the look. It's the appearance. It's, yeah, the look, the attitude. The personality. Yeah, you know, of which like, Dean has none. I mean, right. Dean's like the type of guy you go to the grocery store and you like, you pick out a, a box mix of like cake mix. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you go home and you make that with him. Yeah. And Jess is the the guy you make out with in the back seat of your car. Yeah, Dean is Jess like Jess is like putting the bun in the oven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dean is like the kind of guy you go to the grocery store and he's working there and he's like, you want a soda? And then he just starts making out with you. Yeah. On the clock. That really happened. While he's working for Taylor Dozy. Right. But yeah. So you have one harassing Taylor and one kissing his ass. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I feel like if Taylor had seen Dean do that, he would have fired his ass. But Yeah, definitely. But Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. It's mm. a wild ride and it's only gonna go up for me. So I'm so excited. Jess's wild ride. <clears throat> so alright, let's get to our town meeting. Sure. And um I have some questions to ask you. Cool. We call this town meeting to order. Alright. Welcome to our town meeting. Let's get the uh, typical things out of the way. So for this episode, we had 29 references. And I think we are unfortunately going to be getting a lot more now that we have Jess. Mm. Because he and Lorelai are like the king and queen of references at Mm. this point. Um, I almost feel like Lorelai is like Amy Sherman Palladino and Jess is like Dan Palladino. Like, just like battling it out references-wise, but mm-hmm. that's just... And then just... they can hold hands and skip. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, my question for you now... Oh, by the way, we did find it, and they did the push in the lake in one take, but they did another take just in case. But the take that we see is the first take. So 
it was so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you prepare for that naturally? And a like, time? and not laugh. Both yeah. actors like stay maybe, in character. Maybe they didn't tell <laughs> Jess. Yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah, so the book that Jess takes from Rory is called Howl. And the major theme of the book is the decay of the American imagination. I'm wondering if you feel if there is any significance behind this being the book that kind of starts everything for them. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, because it could have been any other book. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not finding a lot about it. I would have to read it. Yeah. I think just going off that premise, I think that kind of shows how, like... it's actually a poem written. Okay. I mean, it looks like the same length, almost, as the book that Jess writes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of a novella. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very small. Yeah. Well, just going off the premise, it makes me think of how, like, Jess is sort of this tornado that sweeps Rory off her, like, small-town, you know, comfort. Right. And shows her... Like, there is another path besides the one that you're on. Yeah. And, you know, you have Dean, the boring boyfriend, but here's someone, like, cool and interesting and a little rough around the edges, but... hmm But who's going to give you, like, a bigger thrill? So, this book was written by Alex Ginsberg and... Alan Ginsberg, excuse me. And it was a collection of poems... So uh, it was not intended to be released to the public, but actually Jack Kerouac gave the first-hand account of the performance for this book. And I find that really interesting as well because mm-hmm. Jess is very much like a Jack Kerouac kind of character. Um, but I just find it interesting that it's... This, like, collection of poems, it's about his personal experience from the community of poets, artists, political radicals, jazz musicians, drug addicts, all of these, like, outlandish or out-there out characters, like, writing about his experience with them and calling them the best minds of his generation. And I think... Without looking too deep into it, I think that's a very interesting choice for Jess because he is an outlaw in Stars Hollow. Like, he is mm-hmm. an outsider. He is someone that people will look like, that would link with that group of people. Yeah. Like, he causes trouble. He's a misfit and he doesn't fit in there. Well, he's also trying not to fit in. Right. And right. he and he sees Rory as kind of one of those people. I think he does. I think he's like this girl. She, has, she, she fits in here, but she fits in here because she doesn't belong here. Mm-hmm. She belongs mm-hmm. in the in the world. Yeah. Yep. And I think Jess introduces that idea to her, but Logan is the one that pushes it, pulls it out of her. Mm-hmm. So it's. Interesting that the two of them don't get along later, but yeah, well, because I think too, Logan has the money that there is like right. a sort of a safety net underneath them mm-hmm. to do crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Jess, it really is life or death. Like, yeah, and Jess isn't concerned about. I don't. 
the things that Logan pulls out of Rory, I don't think that Jess necessarily would. No. His is more of like, I also let's like go see the, the world and experience people in life. Yeah. Not, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, also no, I agree. I also don't think it's so much Jess has a problem with Logan. I think it's more Logan has a problem with Jess. Yeah. And it's yeah. only because Jess was an ex. No, I think. But, and he's hot. And right. He knows books. And, I have a problem with hot people yes, all the time. Me too. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. not to get like too far into Logan and Jess, but I think for Logan, he sees Jess as someone who is worldly without seeing the world. Yeah. Where Logan feels like he is worldly because he's seen the world, mm-hmm. but that right. doesn't. Those are not similar yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's something to be said for rich people who have, like, the funds and the resources to do all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's people like Jess who challenge them the most. Mm-hmm. Because Jess gained that life experience through, like, hardship. Yeah. And mm-hmm. actually roughing it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's 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 like you can have all this privilege and you can have all this status. But, like, someone else did it. Without any of that. Right. With nothing to their name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so that is, like, the biggest threat to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Jess wants to show Rory that she can see the world and she can experience the world without leaving Stars Hollow if she chooses not to leave Stars Hollow. But he does, she does leave Stars Hollow for him. That In Lorelai's graduation, she goes to the city to find him and there's just something about him that's very magnetizing for her to the point where she's willing to lie to her mother lie to Dean and like change a lot of things so I I want to challenge us Elise to see where that flip happens because right now I think she's hooked Mm -hmm. but I don't think she's ready to make that change yeah but yeah, it's it coming to, yeah it would be fun to see where that exactly happens but i think she's already like you said hooked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so what's going to be that moment where the switch happens i have like a, f- a few ideas but i want to save it yeah yeah so. I can't. i can't wait personally until the episode where she throws a hissy fit about him being at the dance that like all night dance challenge oh, mm-hmm. where Dean breaks up with her. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. give Dean all the crap in the world, but he is in the right in that moment. Well, even just in a tisket, a tasket where he outbids yeah. Dean. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> let's watch Rory become just like Lorelai. Yeah. <laughs> She's Rory lie. <laughs> all right. So next week we're doing uh, presenting Lorelai Gilmore. We get to see an old friend that we love so much, that we love to hate so much. And uh, that's where we'll leave you. So please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. Give us a like, give us five stars. We would so appreciate it. Tell your parents about us, your family members. (laughs) 
Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest at underscore growing up Gilmore underscore. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Bryn, would you like to plug anything before you go? Uh, yes. So if you uh, hop on Facebook, uh, you can find my production company, Albino Squirrel Productions. Uh, URL is literally just facebook.com slash albino squirrel productions. We're on Instagram now. I believe there the handle is also albino squirrel productions. So if I haven't said enough time, albino squirrel productions. We'll link it too. We do have a GoFundMe uh, currently up and running for our upcoming season, which kicks off with the complete works of Troy McClure abridged at the Phoenix Theater in Minneapolis this July. And uh, yeah, and um, we will also be hopefully launching. Uh, unrelated to that, a uh, new podcast uh, recap show uh, entitled Weenies Are Us, um, featuring me and two of my buddies. We talk about some of our favorite nostalgic shows and movies and stuff uh, from 90s, early aughts. So, yeah, check that out. Uh, that'll be on YouTube. And, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. All right, everybody. That's where I'll leave you for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.